Every time I've won in my- <laughs> He's a grown Spider man. Spider monkey. Would you recommend punching holes into walls? If it's like a construction site. It's just my bedroom. <laughs> I stopped reading your book because I already knew everything in it. <laughs> really, it's just because I have commitment issues. Welcome back to Under the Influence, the juiciest show on the internet. And we have a very, very special show for you today. And I highly recommend, take out your notepads and pens right now, because you're going to want to start taking notes. But on my right, we have... Vitrap. I just hit my lip. Utak. Jeremy. Esther. And our very special guest today is the magical, powerful... Victoria Song. Clap, everyone clap. <laughs> I was going to start smacking the mic. I was like, and before we go super deep into everything, how would you describe yourself in just a couple of sentences? Um, I'm an executive leadership coach, and people hire me to be the best business leader they can be, and then they stay with me to learn the codes to bending reality. She's a wizard, is basically what all that was. But before we dive into the episode, we got a couple of announcements. First off, we are coming to Hawaii October. This will be done. This will come out after Hawaii. We have just went to Hawaii and it was back from Hawaii. It was so good. We loved meeting you all. And uh, we've also shot a bunch of amazing bonus content. So if you want to go check it out, see the the extended, uncut, raw version on the bonus content pl- platform under the influence.show. You could subscribe and you could see Utak and Vit doing very wholesome things. We are wholesome men now. Yes. The, uh, the best way to support us to make more content like this is that platform directly. We are aiming to get to 1,000 subscribers on there by the end of this month. So please help us out. And you know that will directly fund our trip to New York where we'll throw parties for you guys and be able to meet all of you. We're so, so close. Yeah. Please, I haven't seen my mom in months. Let me go home. But yeah, overall, uh, back to the episode. So... I thought that was you barking, and you I was like, oh, I You gotta go I square forgot. up with him, Eddie. <laughs> He's taking care of two of his... Uh, we're, 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 dog. we're dogs. Yeah, we're dog-sitting. Yeah. <laughs> Not this kind of dog. <laughs> we got a real dog. All righty. Yes, yeah, so I guess, I guess just in, in, in the beginning, we've talked about your book so many times on this podcast, so I think that would be uh, just a quick way for the audience this is the woman that wrote this book that we are constantly referencing, and I think that it's affected so many of our lives directly. It was probably my favorite book this year, and I recommend it to everybody. Um, and so I guess it's like, where did it all start? Where did you learn all of this magic? Uh, about 10 years ago, I hired my first coach, what we would come to understand as a life coach, and it really did change my life, and I've since hired over 25 coaches, including like money coaches, business coaches, leadership coaches, sex coaches, health coaches, everything under the sun. And I started to see kind of the themes and the meta framework behind what everybody was teaching. And then that's when the dots connected and the book came to be. But when you say uh, 10 years ago, you hired your first coach, why? Like, what was your background? And like, were you always spiritual? Like, what got you into this work? Or what drove you to take that first step of finding a coach and picking a life coach? Yeah, like, I didn't know that's what I was looking for. I was actually looking for a speaking or presentation coach at the time. Uh, And I was, I was young, I was like, 
I entered venture capital, which was my prior job. I was an investor at 23, which is just so young to be in those kinds of rooms. And I just noticed like being the youngest person, being a woman, like I just didn't feel confident and I couldn't really like speak my voice in a room full of 40 something year old men. So I asked around for a, a speech coach. And um, nobody had one of those. But one of my friends, who's also an investor, actually got back to me and said, you know, I don't have a speaking coach, but I have a life coach. And so when I talked to her on our first call, um, she basically said, like, we'll work on your confidence and your courage. And with that, you will present differently. Mm. And I was like, oh, that sounds good. So uh, we signed up for that. And then uh, I think the, the area of my life I most noticed the pain was uh, romantically. So my dating life was showing like all of my patterns, like everything that, whether it was self-worth issues or just repeating family dynamics, it was showing up in my dating choices. So that was probably like the first area that we tackled when I hired a life coach. Mm. Uh, And then that moved into like, okay, career, picking a career. How do I make sure I'm not driven by external validation and doing what people are impressed by, but actually choosing something that I love and that would be fulfilling for me. And that was sort of the second area that we looked at. Um, So that's what brought me to it. Wait, so at 23 years old, you were already like unsure about your career, like you were like second guessing your career and everything like that. And also like, and I'm curious about the relationships, like what was the pattern that you're seeing? And then why do you think, like what from your childhood or what, what experience did you go through that led you to those poor relationship decisions? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I'll, I'll kind of keep this, I'll tell you my answer, but then I'll kind of generalize it so everyone listening can tune in to how this relates to your life, which is that I think as kids, and me included, I developed like a meaning around how my parents showed up for me. So whether that was like, my dad's always busy or in Chinese families, like, you know, physical beatings were sort of just discipline, like that's Mm. normal. And my interpretation of that was like, I'm not loved, I'm not wanted. Um, And that was how I started to feel toward myself. And then I started picking partners that were in some ways like validating these concerns that I had. So whether that was picking a partner that couldn't commit or a partner that was lying or cheating or a partner that was making me feel like self-conscious or insecure, that was what I was creating romantically because that's kind of what I, the the narrative I had. Um, And then career-wise, I felt like you know, it was like very prestigious to work in venture capital. Like to a lot of people, it's a dream job. And I just felt, I mean, I worked, I, I entered in 2010 before we were even talking about how there are not many women in tech, you know, like nobody was even talking about that, but I felt that. And I could feel like, okay, I wasn't really wanted in this room. Like no one's sharing deal flow with me. I have to work extra hard to be part of like the boys club, you know, and I could also feel within my company that everyone related to me like a daughter, which is sweet, but it doesn't, you don't get taken seriously. Like no one's treating you like an equal if they're seeing you like their daughter. So anyway, all of those things are starting to make me realize that like I got the job that everyone seems to covet, but it wasn't, it wasn't aligned. I felt like a fish out of water. I felt like it catered to some of my skills, but it was still like what I call my work, like the zone of excellence versus your zone of genius. Mm -hmm. A zone of excellence is something that you're good at and you get accolades and you get paid well for it. But at the end of the day, it still feels like work. Whereas a zone of genius is what I feel like my work is today, which is I love it. I'm passionate about it. I would do it for free. Like it's so fun and fulfilling that time flies by when I'm doing it. And that's now my zone of genius. Mm. Wait, side, before we go further, 
Yeah, we called you Korean on the last podcast. I wanted to clarify that. She is Chinese. Um, we, I've never met a Chinese person with the last name Song. So uh, I apologize. Her song is Chinese, isn't she? She's Chinese, We're too. We're going to make her take you 23 and me. Wait, really? You need to yeah. call everyone. You miss it. <laughs> what the, there's no way she's Chinese. Check, search it out. Isn't she Chinese? She's Wendy Wu. Like we have singer. no one. <laughs> no, no, Brenda Song, uh, the Disney Channel. Oh yeah, I think she's yeah, yeah, yeah. All my Korean pride is dissipating right now. <laughs> no, I'm telling you, I was proud Korean of being Chinese the whole time. It's a Korean Chinese name, last name. My fault. Okay, but yeah, I wanted to clarify that because literally last episode we just said that. Yeah. So we'll come back really to we the wrong. we'll come back to the zone of genius because yes. it's a really important topic. Mm-hmm. But I want to still get into the development phase of how you you learned your superpowers. So first coach was life changing for you, and you learned a lot. How did that change your career path? And then when did you start adding all these other coaches to the point where you're like, wait, this is the path I actually want to go down? Yeah. You know, it's so funny because I sometimes hired three or four coaches at the same time and I didn't tell any of them that I had three or four. And I think that I just, you know, like you, it's kind of like having a therapist, like you have a special relationship and you don't want them to feel like, oh, are you listening not to me, but somebody else? And so I didn't know how they were going to feel. She that was I, cheating. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cheating on all of them. I didn't want them to feel like, oh, I don't think your advice is good enough. So I just needed uh-huh. like, I had like a little advisory board of coaches, essentially. They're like poly coaches. Like, <laughs> uh, they're like, who are you texting, Pizza Hut? <laughs> Her phone's on do not disturb. Yeah. When she out with them. Okay, so you had four coaches and what were you going to each of them for? And what were you kind of, what are you trying to learn, you know, at this point? Yeah, I so coming back to like family patterns, I definitely feel that in my family system, I developed a lot of like indecisiveness and decision and sort of the same with the self-consciousness and low self-worth where you're kind of like, you assume I don't have the answers, somebody else must know better for me. That's definitely how my parents talked to me. So I just always sought out anyone, authority, expert, mentorship. I just like thought everybody else knew best for me. And that's why I hired so many coaches, I think. Um, I thought they had the answers for me. And then luckily, you know, coaching, I think done well, does make you feel more self-confident and realize you're worth more and that your truth and wisdom is actually within and you have all the answers. And so thankfully, like after, um, you know, hiring a few coaches at the same time, I stopped having multiple at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) And then it was just a serial monogamous coach person after that. And uh, yeah, um, but I, I love it so much. And I think the moment um, that shifted for me was as I really like became deeper into my spirituality, which was distinct from religion. So growing up, I was raised Christian, going to church every Sunday. And in college, I kind of knew that that wasn't quite it. But, you know, a lot of us say we're spiritual, but we don't really know what that means exactly. And I was kind of like that. I was like, mm-hmm. I know I'm not religious, I'm spiritual, but... I don't really know exactly what that means, but through my own personal development work and reading books, I started to realize like, oh, I think my connection to spirituality is more like the connection from within and seeing that everyone has divinity within. And that's like the inner voice or the spiritual self that we're communing with. And um, and I had an existential awakening essentially. And so I would say um, I stopped being able to do investing when I had my existential awakening because that was the moment when I realized like, I need to do more than what I'm doing right now, essentially. What I'm doing isn't fulfilling enough. What I'm doing isn't helping people enough. What I'm doing is not like my soul's work. It's more like my ego's mm-hmm. validation work. Mm. How old were you when you had that? And was there any kind of s- something that helped you have that extension? Were you on like plant medicines or something? 
Um, no, actually, I hadn't ever done plant medicine at that stage. So this was in 2017. So if I'm 36 now, then <laughs> what does that mean? Yeah, but how many, how many years of venture were you oh. in where you, when you're like, it was like four years into it, you're like, oh, I'm done with this? Um, yeah, it was sort of like, it's so interesting when I don't think it's normal to be so young and have achieved everything that you thought you were setting out to achieve in your life. And I know obviously we still continue to have dreams and that's part of the human experience, but it was like very strange to have been studying. I've been a straight A student since I was like in eighth, or sixth grade. So like when I was 11, I got my first straight A report card and I just became a serial overachiever since sixth grade. So imagine being 11 and just studying like it was your job, you know? And I could never. Yeah, I was, yeah. Too, dumb. I was too dumb. I no. was all the way. At 11, I stopped. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you gave up. You're like, this is a trap. I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah, so... I, so at 11, that was my beginning. And then I went to Yale and I went to Harvard and I did all the things that everybody was like, if you do this, the world is your oyster. And I did. And I even like became an investor. And then I was just like, this is miserable. And everyone is miserable around me. And like, I'm not surrounded by anyone happy or fulfilled or (laughs) like, this is a trap. Mm -hmm. And I felt lucky to have discovered that pretty early on. I was just raising my hand so he knew I had a question. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, real quick, by yeah, the way, you would you like a glass of water here? So. Oh, yeah. You know, I have my water bottle. I can just put that in a glass maybe. So. Yeah. Drink hard seltzers? Not really. Because they're gross. Yes, they are. They got that weird aftertaste. Yes, they do. What if I told you we remove that completely? Mmm. Mm. Okay. Okay. You can have a little, little sip. It's not going to taste like a truly? Nope. Absolutely not. That's weird, what? Yeah. What are these? This is nectar. Asian flavors. Oh my god. Appreciate it. Thank you for supporting. So of all these coaches that you've worked with, has there ever been a time where you felt like coaching didn't work for you? You know, um, there was a coach that I felt that um, was trying to be like a parent as far as like really wanted, thank you, like really wanted me to listen to their her advice. And if I didn't listen to her advice, it was like she would fire me basically. Mm. So it was like this very conditional kind of coaching relationship where it was like, I know it's best for you. And if you don't, date this person or break up with that person, then like we're not working together anymore. And was she a dating coach or no life? Uh, I would say she'd call herself a life coach, although I know she also works with business founders as well. So um, probably a variety of things, but that was probably the only experience I've had that was like, whoa, I need to heal from that experience. Wow. <laughs> it was like a toxic yeah. relationship. Literally. It, it also sounds like maybe her ego was wrapped in like your, you listening to her advice. Like she put some of her I definitely there. noticed that like the people who found her to be their savior were like her, her were like family to her. Like those are her favorite clients. And then if you questioned her, you were kind of outcast. So there was definitely this in and out crowd. Um, and and then after, anyway, we don't have to get too into it, but that was, I think, where coaching can get slippery is like if a coach is not doing their own work and they have blind spots and maybe they're 
egoic need to feel significant or like, wow, I'm influencing your life or I'm saving you. And if they don't get that validation, then it can, yeah, bruise their ego. And then they might be unconsciously acting out. And I think that that's what was happening. So I, let's, you get through all the coaching and then you have that existential crisis where you want to leave your career. So then how does it lead to, yeah, when does it lead to you? Like what was the first step out and then how did it lead towards this, this book? Yeah, so I think like the, the cool takeaway from my like long story short career journey is that you don't have to exactly know what you're going to do next, like the end all be all. Like you don't have to leave your job being like, this is the thing I'm leaving it for because it's like a stepping stone. Like the first thing I did when I left venture was I didn't know I was going to become a coach. So it wasn't this obvious like, oh, I found my calling and now I'm leaving finance to go be a coach. It was more like, okay, I'm not happy doing this. I want to do something more aligned. So the first thing I actually started was a company called CAMP, which was an acronym that stood for Creativity, Art, Movement, and Play. So it was essentially like bringing that to adults. So I was like going to McKinsey's and BCG's and Google's of the world that have these big team budgets. And I was like designing play and improv and terrarium making and painting and just like activities that help adults connect to their inner child and their creativity and also like bond with their teammates in a more meaningful way than like drinking and dinner, you know? (laughs) So we need a camp. Yeah, we need that shit bad. It was actually a really good idea. Somebody should just take it and run with it, uh-huh. like message me, because yeah, I mean, it's it was I, I really loved it, um, but it was just like the bridge, because I think, you know, at that point when I had that idea, I obviously knew there was something here about connecting to our inner child and, and learning to be with this more free-spirited version of ourselves and more creative, but I didn't know it was coaching just yet. Um, and I was getting paid to do that, like companies were paying me to do that. So it was kind of like this bridge career for me. And then um, I decided to enroll in a certification program for coaching. Mm. I, again, at the time thinking it was just like, well, you know what? I worked with so many coaches. I love coaching. Whatever I do next, it probably will help me with my leadership skills. Like it'll make me a better manager leader if I have coaching skills. So I enrolled into certification, not even knowing yet. So I think like the, you know, have you read The Alchemist? Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like it really is like following your heart and trusting that like your heart will show you the way and like the stepping stone will appear just in time and you don't need to know exactly A to Z of the whole how before you leave. You just have to trust and be ready to claim like it's time to follow my heart. And that's what led me to coaching. Hmm. Um, I want to dive into the book just because like it'll start to because even that is a scary thing to tell someone to just step without knowing. But that kind of leads into the book. Uh, the, the core of the book, right away, there's two concepts. Like, I mean, in today's day and age, everybody, is, everybody knows what manifesting is. They've read The Secret or they've heard about all those types of things. But it's, it's harder said than done to the layman of just thinking, oh, I want, I want to be rich. I want a Ferrari. Whatever it is, right? I want to be successful. Um, can you talk about just the core concept of expansion versus contraction? Yeah. So I agree with you. There's so many books on like mindset and sort of visioning and manifesting. But to me and the work that I do, I realize that the missing piece is the somatic level, which is what do you feel in your body, the sensations, the feelings and emotions, because I believe that everything I even described at the beginning, which is like, oh, I had this limiting belief that I'm not worthy and I'm not lovable and I'm not wanted. Those actually exist as these contractive energy patterns in our nervous system and our body. So essentially contraction, when I talk about in the book, um, if you tune into, you know, if you close your eyes for a moment and you think about like the last week and something not going the way you want it to go, what do you notice 
in your body when you notice that event? My shoulders tighten up. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. And don't you feel like discomfort in your mm-hmm. body? And yeah, okay. And you might even have some thoughts of like, oh, why did I mess that up? Or like, mm-hmm. I wish that didn't happen. So these are all like the thoughts and feelings of contraction in our system. And it's my belief that we unconsciously operate from contraction. We just don't realize we're in this state. It's so familiar that we live and breathe it, but it's like being stuck at the traffic light or wanting something to go this way, but it doesn't go the way you wanted it to. Or that, you know, anything like the unknown or uncertainty can also create this sort of contraction in our body. And I believe that we have thoughts, feelings, um, and behaviors that put us in this contractive place. Uh, So this belief of like, I'm not lovable, I'm not wanted, like the self-consciousness I had in dating, that was contractive in my body. And just as like that feels like a limit in your body, it's also creating a limit on your reality. And so that's like the first state that I talk about in the book and I describe like, why are we in contraction? Where does it come from? Why is society sort of a contraction creating machine? And where do we learn this? And how do we get out of it? And how do we process it so that we can move into the second state, which is expansion? So you are now to like think about the week and something that went pleasantly. You know, what do you notice in your body when you tune into the happy scenario? I feel like um, I feel like lightness in my stomach. Yeah. Yeah. I just feel lighter. I feel like um, relief. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Just good. Safe. Safety. Safety. Safe. Ease. Relaxed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Great. Yeah. So just notice like your chest opening up, and you can literally feel yourself like expanding. You're like, oh, this feels really open. The state very expansive, and so that's what I call expansion in the book. And I help my clients um, move through, process those stuck contractive energy patterns so that they can access expansion and start to make expansion a default state of being. So you spend more of your minutes and hours of a day actually feeling expansive and then also um, knowing how to get yourself back here when you notice a trigger, you're like, oh, I'm activated, I feel contractive. Okay, how do I move back into expansion? How do you know when you're over a contract? Like, how do you know when you're truly in expansion whereas like if someone like pisses me off I could be like I'm not gonna let it bother me and then I move on my day but maybe I'm not fully in an expansive flow you know it's still affecting me in some way how how do you truly know how can somebody know if they're truly um, back in expansion yeah so one of the qualities of expansion is the ability to actually feel everything kind of like ocean waves let it just move through you so you can still get upset but then truly after being upset it really does leave your mind you're kind of like oh I'm fine again I think actually the sign that you're not in expansion is that there's a little bit of a block where you're like ooh, I'm not letting that bother me so there's almost like you think you're protecting yourself from feeling Mm -hmm. contraction but actually you're learning to guard yourself and you're learning to move through life sort of with this protective barrier where like I'm not going to let things impact me but as you can tell how do you like selectively numb and say I'm not going to let that bad thing impact me but then when something really (coughs) joyful happens maybe you feel like ooh, I'm not open to receiving that fully like you're it's almost like you want to block the highs and the lows so then you don't really feel either and that, I think, is what some people are stuck in, is this almost like neutrality or even numbness. That's what he's stuck in. Yeah, that's, that's, his, that's his complete <laughs> yeah. state of being. <laughs> yeah, and for some people, they think that's peace, 
right? But it actually is a form of numbness mm-hmm. where you're like, wow, I don't feel alive. You mm-hmm. know, I kind of just feel like a bit of a zombie every day. Like the you're days- reading him for filth right now. It's yeah, crazy. it's just like, oh, I, the days just she turn into weeks. to the and- last episode. Well, just, ex- <laughs> well, just to explain it's so yourself. Cool it's like almost word for word what we were yeah, saying about his situation. picking up where we left off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wait, so explain, explain yourself to her of just kind of like how you, what you were saying about how you feel emotions. Yeah, it's basically that I think I'm just at a constant middle state mm-hmm. where I can't have like negative energy, but also during exciting times in my life, I don't feel like what other people feel, you know? Yeah, exactly. But I, I don't feel like, I mean, yeah, I know that I'm missing out, but I don't feel... You're I, not in pain. I, I don't mind it because yeah. I'm, I'm, I don't ever feel like negative, you know? Yeah, so I'd say most people are motivated by pain. And because this isn't painful for you, you don't feel like there's anything to change. No, I know I need to change. I've changed, okay. a, I've changed a lot in the past like two years, but yeah. um, I still, I don't know. I still can't like access that part where I feel like super excited about shit, you know? Yeah. He said like he's you, never felt, he, he's never felt jealousy. Jealous, yeah. He knows what you were saying. Like, you know, what's sad. You can. No, I understand. He knows the concept of jealousy. Yeah, I understand like these concepts. I just have never felt it. Yeah, that's actually very common. Like I bet 80% of the people tuning in are like, I kind of feel pretty numb. Like I don't feel much of anything at all. And the truth is like we have so many ways in which we numb ourselves today, whether that's like alcohol, substances, um, it could be porn addiction, anything. I mean, not, I'm not accusing you of anything. But <laughs> I'm just saying like- All four I, heads went- No, <laughs> I'm just saying that like even, even work, even work is a distraction. Like anything that you turn to to change your mood can turn into an addiction. So that's the thing that I think people don't realize is like you can have an addictive relationship to work if you use it to distract from feeling things. You can have an addictive relationship to even socializing if every time you don't want to feel uncomfortable, you call a friend, right? So whatever you're reaching out to to try to escape how you're feeling has the potential to be addictive. Mm -hmm. And if I put it that way, you're like, well, we live in an addictive culture. Like who's not addicted to something, whether it's Netflix or, you know, even family life. Like some people can hide behind like, well, I have kids. I'm so busy with the kids. That's a terrific way to never face anything, to be a busy parent, right? So there's so many ways that we can escape facing what we need to face today, right? And you can look like a productive person working. You look normal, but you could, yeah, be limiting your life. I have two questions. So um, that that like this rang a bell for me, you. basically. I have one. But because uh, like for me, it was like, OK, I, I think I have a few vices in my life. But like then it's like the social like whatever you turn to is uh, to distract you from facing your emotions are an addiction. So then somebody like yourself that's like worked through like contractive and expansive states way more. Do you feel like you're addicted to anything? Oh, it's a good question. So uh, this past week, you know this, I told you that I was off devices for a week. Mm. So I was not on my laptop or my phone. And it's so interesting because I never thought that I was one of those people who was mindlessly scrolling. But Talk a little closer. Oh, to the mic, just in case. I never found myself to be someone who's like mindlessly scrolling addicted to my devices. But the idea that like I was on looking at my phone in the morning, checking email, checking texts, like one of the last things I do before I go to bed, like I really felt like a totally like a newborn baby when I didn't have access to my devices, like being actually forced to just um, sit and be with my thoughts and feelings and just notice what is actually here when I have no ability to be influenced by the external world. 
Like it's not a text or an email or the news that's impacting me. It's just what I wake up with and what I go to bed with. And I feel like in many ways I got closer to my subconscious and what's like really going on, my true internal landscape in a way that I could never if I were working as I usually do. So because I wasn't on electronics, I also wasn't on a coaching call. So I was essentially not working, which is I think one of my main things that I turn to. Um, if I have any vices, the closest one would be like workaholism mm-hmm. is that I love what I do. And it's like, I feel really lucky that I'm one of those people who works a lot, who actually loves what I do, but then it's even more dangerous because you're like, but I love it. Like I would do this all day, every day. And it's so fun and fulfilling. So um, it's even sli- more slippery to be a workaholic doing it. Uh, second part. So while we're in this like conversation about moving past contraction, we were... Um, I was in a very contractive place, like literally maybe like felt like I'm fully moved past it, like maybe like two or three days ago. Uh-huh. And it lasted for a while. And I've been reading your book even before that. So one of the difficult things for me was like moving through that, like letting letting myself feel it. Cause like I'd sit there and I let myself feel it and I'd get angrier. And then it was like I'm also like pretty like a spiritual person. Like I subscribe to Christianity because I believe in Jesus and all that. But like overall, like I do think there's so many practices. I I liked your book for that reason. And it was like, it felt like, um, like I had been infiltrated by negative energy and then I'm like trying to move it out of me and get rid of it. But, um, but I couldn't, like, I didn't know what to do that would make myself more that way. And it was like over the course of days of like going to like physical exercise. Cause like yes. I was literally, one of the things that was funny to me after reading your book was I was literally, I'm a creator. Like I have to make content on four or five different platforms like constantly. And it's like, turn on the phone to make a simple video and couldn't even like, I would speak for a little bit and then like watch it back. Cause I just fell off and it would just look like a different person. And I hated it. And I didn't want to, like, I knew it would just be bad to put that out. So I was just like not able to create, not able to do my work. Then also then like all I was able to do was physical exercise because to me, that's just like monkey brain type shit, you know. So I was like in the gym working out and um, and getting sunlight every morning and all these things. But it's still like, you know, what I'm saying like so I'm like, what how do you feel that um, I should have handled trying to move that contraction out in that state? Well, you did exactly what you're supposed to do. So mm-hmm. when we feel contraction, you can think think of it as like a stuck energy pattern. Mm-hmm. So just to give you like a bit of context, when we are kids, anything that hurts, so whether it was like your parents were fighting or one of your parents was away often or you felt neglected or maybe they said something critical or you had a sibling that was mean or you were bullied at school, like anything that hurt you as a kid you actually store that in a form of like a stuck energy pattern in your body. It's almost like this thing that was so uncomfortable. You're like disconnecting or like sort of saying like, okay, I, that didn't feel good. So let me like put that in the basement or let me put that away so I don't ever have to feel that away again. Mm-hmm. And then anything in your present life that rhymes with it re-triggers it, which is why in therapy they're often like, well, where did this happen in your childhood? It like all comes back to where was that original pain Mm -hmm. that was created? And so you can kind of think of like this anger or this pain that you felt as like a stuck energy pattern that if we really went into it and I asked you like, okay, the situation, what does it remind you of? Like a parent growing up, did they make you feel this way? Like, like didn't hear you, didn't understand you, made you feel like, you know, you weren't seen or whatever it was that created this frustration, you know, you would be able to be like, oh yeah, I remember being 13 and this is kind of what that felt like. And so it's a frozen energy pattern in your system that you want to 
release and going and physically working out is one way that you move energy. So you move energy through breath, movement, and sound. Mm -hmm. And that is why things like kickboxing class or I don't know what kind of, even going for a run, but you were moving the stuck energy pattern through your system so that it wasn't stagnant in your body anymore. Mm -hmm. So that's actually a perfect way. So when, when people are angry in my world, I often say like, you know, scream into a pillow, like just get it out of your body. It's like when you strike a guitar string, the guitar vibrates and makes a sound and it's supposed to leave. But if you don't express it, then it gets stuck in your body. And that's what happens. You, you kept being in the weird mood or funk mm-hmm. because you weren't getting it out of your system. So if you screamed into a pillow or if you grabbed like a, like a towel or you grabbed a towel and you like hit something or you know if you have a bat I see a bunch of things you could use as a bat in here but you can just like (laughs) you could literally bash this couch if it doesn't break or like your pillow but you actually want to express it that's the thing that people don't get is like the energy doesn't move until you move it would you recommend punching holes into walls (laughs) Um, if it's like a construction site and they're going to break it down anyway then go for it (laughs) Um, I think the instinct to do that is you getting the anger out of your body. I think that is why people like play hot potato with their emotions. Like it's so easy to be like, I'm angry. I'm going to throw it at you, scream at you, criticize you. It's like, there's an instinct, like even as a baby to be like, I don't want these emotions. I'm going to put them outside. So in a way it's healthy, but not if it hurts you or hurts people around you or hurts your house and your walls. Right. So definitely find safe ways to express the anger, but not necessarily at the person, but like in a safe space. Can you give me a clear example of when you dealt with a contraction that you couldn't get over? You were trying all those things and then what was that breakthrough to then be like, oh, now I'm in expansion? Like what what, what was like, like him was like, you know, it was a mental breakdown for two weeks. Yeah. You know, was there anything that sticks out to you like that? I, I would say breakups have always been really hard. So again, like, the more intense the reaction in your present day, the more you know it has to do with your past, right? So the expression is like the more hysterical, the more historical. Huh. So true. So true. Yeah. I'd be going crazy during breakups. Oh. Yeah. And because it's bringing up all that old, like, oh, I'm, am I lovable? Am I broken? Is something wrong with me? Like, am I going to be alone? Is anyone going to be able to be with me? Right. So during breakups, I would say like, that's when I'm like, is this depression? Like, I think this is, it was like kind of the closest states to where I felt like this must be what being depressed feels like. You know, it's like, you don't want to get out of bed. I have a dog and it was like hard to even walk my dog. It was just this weird funk where you just had this cloud not going away for a long time. This was before I found all the tools I wrote about in reality. So I was really just stuck. Like I had a couple friends and, you know, people who would check up on me, but for a long time, I just, I couldn't figure out if I could ever be happy at that time. It's sort of like, unless we get back together, I can't imagine anything making me happier. Um, so unfortunately I didn't have the tools back then. So I think I was stuck in it for, you know, weeks, maybe a month. Um, Sorry, what was that? He's still going through it. Why should it be lasting like two years? Yeah, exactly. So now that you have the tools, you can express it. So expression could be like, don't send the letter, but write a really expressive letter where you're like, how could you? Yeah. Yeah. You know, like write everything you want to feel. So just going to the pain of it and like making whatever sound is there, even if it's just like, ah, like whatever it is, like you just go to the discomfort and express it because that's what, why it's stuck. That's why the frozen pattern is there. Got like five questions over this. So yeah, yeah, let's let Eddie and Esther and then you. I was just going to mention that. uh, I think the, the night before that you started to feel better, 
you were you came to me and you were like uh you didn't seem like a way out of the situation you were like i i give up mm. but then you went back to your room and you did something that also you did for for we used to work together a lot closer like more like employee employer employee but now we just kind of work in tandem together but he, when when you had fired me you you had a tough time doing that and you did the same thing that you did back then that you did now you oh, wrote I a forgot letter. I did that shit. You wrote a letter to me. Yeah. And and that's when you expressed yourself. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. you also wrote like, you know, what way you were feeling about this situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you seemed to have like light in your eyes the next day. Yeah, man. That was that was my thing I was gonna say. I had you to wrote get it a out letter there, to him? But uh huh? You wrote a letter to well, him? Well, okay, well I forgot about that completely, but um broke up I, with him over text. Yeah, when I when I fired it was like we lived together, he's one of my best friends, so it was such a it was a thing I was thinking about for weeks, so it was like ruining me. And then I was like, how do I I don't want to fuck up like what I was going to say. So I wrote it down because I was like, let me get it all out. Read it. I was like, okay, that's unnecessary. Maybe I could say that better like type thinking. But yeah. then I was sitting there and I, it was probably your book that, that reminded me of it. But also I've been out journaling for like years now, okay. almost like trying to keep like a record of my life. And it's cool. What I've noticed from journaling is that if I go back six months ago and I'm reading about what I was stressed about and like how I felt about issues at the time and people in my life that were really important and new people I met that are currently like my best friends or whatever. It's so, it's almost like re, I feel like it's the greatest form of like gratitude because it's like talking to my future self. Like, hey, this is how I feel right now. Let's see how, tell me how it goes later type mentality. Wow. But with the, with the letters, so they were a large um, part of my contraction and, um, and I was gonna quit the show basically. So it was like, I was sitting there like, I feel like I'm slightly tweaking. Like, I think all my feelings are valid. Like, I'm coming from a valid place. But I also know some, this has happened to me before. I get into these, like, intense, emotional turbulence, like, swings. And I'm like, I don't want to make a decision that will permanently alter my life from this place of contraction. So I was Good. like, before I meet with them, let me write down a letter like about everything I feel because like the thoughts in my head are brewing and I get lost in them and then yeah, it's like you can't think yourself out of feeling not it. at all yeah <laughs> so I, I when I wrote it down I wrote everyone a letter and it was really vile and like violent and, and you angry sent it? no I didn't send okay, it okay good oh, hell no that'd be crazy but uh yeah they would not be my friend I think yeah you like, have not received these yeah you will never see those letters <laughs> but no but it was all of my like what I felt were my true feelings at the time but then so I wrote it out. Then I did some regular journaling. I prayed. I went to sleep and I woke up and I read it again. And I was like, this is far too, like if like my tone had changed, like it was like, this is because you expressed it. Exactly. You moved the energy. Yeah. And that's why I feel like that's a crazy thing you said. Cause it was like, I wrote down like all the vilest things I probably had to say about any of these people. And then when I read it back later, I was almost like embarrassed at myself. I was like, I don't know if they deserve this like level of reaction. Bad. Yeah, you're not that bad. <laughs> yeah, you're worse. No. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so, so it was basically like it was just so. And that was, I think, the day that I literally that night. I do this thing too. I've noticed is like when I'm contracting, I make a decision that I know I can't take back because I'm like I feel so strongly where I'm like before I feel better, I'm gonna make this thing happen so that later, even if I have to deal with it later, like I'll. It will almost be like reserving beef in the future. So it was like, I told them that day that I wanted to quit. I was like, we have to meet in person tomorrow at this time. And then I woke up, read the letter. I was like, never mind, I'm not ready. And, uh, and I canceled it. Oh, because, that's what happened. Yeah, because I was going to meet with you all to, to quit and give so you the letters. So you processed it. You went through your process. You yeah. moved the contraction. You got peace. You woke up different. You mm -hmm. felt expansive when you woke up. 
Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I think um, I just want to give that example because it literally was directly to what you were talking about. That's incredible. And can I ask you something personal? You don't have to answer if you don't want to. Yes, you do. But when you when you tune in just for a moment, I want you just to tune into how all of those events made you feel. Where do you feel it in your body? And you can close your eyes if it helps you. But just feel where's that anger, frustration? I feel like my chest and my throat. Your chest and your throat. Okay. And when you feel into the sensation of that, what do you feel is like the emotion underneath that sensation of contraction? I feel like it was like hurt. Hurt. And um, betrayal. Uh-huh. Disrespect. Uh-huh. And then like the anger, anger was like the, um, my deflection emotion. Right. Where because of like those feelings, like I defaulted to anger because I don't even know how to express hurt. those feelings. Yeah. Hurt. Okay. And um, one more, this is where it's personal. When you feel into your past, like maybe your childhood, like when do you remember this feeling of being hurt, let down, shocked? I mean, quite often. In my yeah, childhood. okay. So it was a regular occurrence growing yeah, up. Yeah, and, um, and it's hard for me to like pinpoint who exactly. Yeah, but you just remember feeling this way a lot as a kid. Yeah, and for many reasons. A lot of it towards myself though, because uh-huh. um, I was like a very... I was a huge like juvenile delinquent and obviously like when you're a child like there's so much things that I don't really blame myself for for, because I was a child but like at the end of the day I did the things that like I committed the crimes that put me away like made me like feel all these things right so like I almost want to say like myself but like definitely like my grandmother's involved there okay like my parents things happen that felt like unfair yeah like a helplessness that's not fair yeah okay yeah So thanks for sharing that. So that's why this felt so intense to you. Like your reaction was because it was like that younger self that didn't feel safe, almost like thrashing around in your adult body, you know? Can you, uh, can you explain the inner child? Cause that, you know, nowadays there's so many pseudo Instagram, you know, spirituality out there and everyone talks about healing your inner child. Can you define the inner child and then yeah, start there. You know, I feel this, and I haven't heard anybody say it, but I might be a little controversial, which is I actually think the ego comes from the unmet needs of the inner child. So the ego is really the inner child. So you define, what's your definition yeah, of ego? Yeah, so, um, you know, I heard a definition that was great by Matt Kahn that said the ego is a um, inflamed personality of um, a wound up nervous system. So it's like someone who doesn't know how to process their emotions, who doesn't feel safe in their body, who feels like they're kind of wound up holding around all these hurts that they haven't healed and processed. That person will have this almost like inflammation of a personality. Like you experience them as like, ooh, a lot of inflammation going on here, but that's what creates the persona of their ego is like, oh, like you say the wrong thing and they explode or like that ego needs to prove itself that it's worthy enough or that ego needs certain power or money in order to make up for its sense of lack of personal power or lack of love, right? So that's essentially when I describe it that way, you're like, oh yeah, those are all things that maybe that inner child didn't get growing up, which is why now as an adult, they seem so hungry for validation, for fame, for money, for all the things that might make them finally feel lovable or worthy. Um, and so I believe that you know a lot of this healing does come back to looking at what were the events that happened in our life and specifically more important than the event. I don't even think the trauma is really created by the event itself, but the meaning that we make surrounding the event. So like, okay, this happened, you got hit. 
all right, that was painful, but what are you actually holding on to? Well, I'm holding on to the lack of worthiness of feeling like, how could I have been hit? Was I not loved? Was I that broken? Was I that defective? Was I that, um, you know, maybe I'm self-destructive or maybe I'm going to hurt those I love, right? So whatever was the meaning that you made is what you're carrying still. And then that becomes a narrative that kind of haunts you, right? Or is a thing that you're hoping is not true, and then you're, you're designing a life in order to try to prove the opposite. Like I am lovable, I am worthy, I am smart enough, I am good enough, so that your inner child doesn't feel all the things you, it's been running away from feeling. Um, so yeah, I asked you those series of questions because I do feel like say you didn't write the letters and we just talked about it, very quickly you'd be able to diffuse how activating the situation is if you realize like, okay, this is a little bit of transference of what I felt as a kid onto the situation right now. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, all those facts still happen, but the reason it's bringing up this intense feeling for me is because the last time I felt this helpless and this powerless, shit really happened and went down and I was like, not a good place for me. And so there is a part of your inner child that's like, whoa, this is not safe. The same way like this wasn't safe growing up, like I'm feeling that powerlessness right now. Whoa. You just unlocked a crazy thought in my head that was, that was wild. Please share. Oh, man, I don't know if uh, I'm going to try to word it. To it. So a large part of it was I felt unhelped in a lot of the things that we were doing. And then um, or rather that I had to do a lot of things because other people didn't care enough. Mm. So um, like it was a sense of I have to do it myself. Basically, yeah, I'm all which alone. I felt all my life. Right. And then um, and then we were just talking about in the last episode, the last mental breakdown I had was because I had to, I was like 19 and, or 18 or 19 working my, like, I didn't have, I was an illegal immigrant. Like I was working like off the books. Like that was the only way I could go to college was work 70 hours a week for like three months. Cause grew up poor. My mom, you know, raises herself, all this shit. And I was just like, I remember having the mental breakdown. Cause like, why me? Like I'm a child. Like, why can't I just go to school and all these things? <laughs> Yeah. But suck. I knew I'd fucking go. I won the bet. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, this is good. Yeah. What yeah, you're so feeling I is feel healing. Like it was like a Yeah, no, this is good. You're releasing the stuck energy pattern. Yeah. I'm smiling because I cried earlier, but I was gonna hide that. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little choked up too because working with you was, was this. Like I went through the same experience with you where uh, I've, the exercise you had basically walked me through and, and it was so like, it was so different. I thought you were going to like give me like habits that I like, oh, here's your journaling practice. But instead you were like, let's talk about your childhood. Like um, it was that exercise where I was looking at my own heart mm-hmm. and um, I forgot the questions you asked, but it was about you're like, who did you see? Like, my heart was walled up, and you said, okay, when you go over the wall and you walk into your heart, who do you see? And it was my dad. Yeah. And then the questions you asked, it was like, yeah, it started pulling all these crazy emotions that I... I, Because I, here's the thing, like, I'm older now, and I don't have any resentment towards my dad. I know that he did his best, and we have a lot more understanding now. We've talked about it. But what you had brought up, I had never faced. And it just, yeah, it just... I remember just crying and and, yeah. and that was and here's the thing and this is what I wanted to also clarify walking away from that it wasn't like I'm suddenly like oh I know what to do you just said just sit with it 
And I come back and I think about what I went through because sometimes I feel like I've fallen back into my old habits of being impatient, whatever it is. And I'm trying to make that connection of what in my past am I trying to make up for? Um, and I don't have the answer. So I'd be kind of curious to you, like after you uncover something like this and you, and you, and you see this kind of emotional connection, like what is the step forward? Right. Like, like once we have these realizations, I still feel like I, I, I'm my old impatient short tempered self. So Well, there's definitely more to feel and express in there. Um, so we had, you know, one session where you got to go there, and um, and thank you for letting us see you so yeah. vulnerably. And don't worry, I cry on this podcast all the time. Yeah, but like that was super important to see because we were yeah. just starting to feel that old energy actually start to move through the process of tears, right? So when we what created the tears was he went to the pain and the discomfort, and then he started speaking. You know, when I was a kid and in the car, I just want to go to school. Like he was able to actually feel and access these feelings that he probably hasn't let himself feel in a long time. And what happens, I'm going to get your question is what happens when we don't feel? It's almost like we are um, disowning these hurts in our body, but we're keeping them kind of like frozen in a refrigerator where we're like, let's just keep that pattern frozen so we don't have to feel it. But we're sending so much of our life force energy to keeping it frozen that it's taking away from our present day, our ability to be, our ability to be present and alive right now is, is stolen from us trying to maintain these hurts and keep them frozen off from our body. And so now he's actually getting to retrieve and claim back a part of his whole self because he's able to be like, okay, I am safe now to feel the pain of what that was like. Like as a kid, I was just living it and there was no time to feel and sorry for myself. I just had to show up for myself because I was all I had. But now as an adult, he has the safety to be like, that was really painful. And as he feels that, he's actually reclaiming back both the energy that he's been using to keep that pain away from his awareness, but he's also actually claiming back a part of himself. So now he's like, wow, I feel more complete. I feel more myself. Like he had this clarity of how to come back and deal with the situation because he saw it more clearly than before when it was reminding him of his past, right? So to answer your question, like you process and feel what is the truth of what's there so that you remove the charge on it. So right now, the reason why, like we often think that like professional and personal problems are different, but like, wouldn't you say in this example that it's because of something that happened to you personally that was showing up in how you were handling yourself professionally, right? And so when you process and feel through these past pains, you will start to feel like the charge on them you feel less like, wow, this thing has power over me. And hopefully the next time you feel triggered into anger and you want to write and send that angry letter, you'll have this moment where you're like, wow, like this is actually me as a 13 year old. Like I'm actually getting that. Yes, this partly has to do with them and I'm going to have a conversation with them, but let me first feel what's mine, which is, this is actually from my past. And when I can clear that up, I can now speak to you with more dignity because I'm not going to Oversay and overspeak everything because I actually get how much of the anger contributed from what I went through as a kid versus what's happening now in this present moment. And so that's just one example. But in general, like if we continue to go and process and feel through things, and that was just the tip of the iceberg. Like I know mm-hmm. because you cried, you were like, cool, I'm done. Like I cried, <laughs> you know, but like 
crying one event when maybe there was at least a dozen times that that happened, right? You're just starting to release almost like there's like a pressure valve and you're kind of starting to release the pressure on it. It starts to feel like less charged, less triggering. It even just when a situation becomes less triggering, it doesn't hijack your system in the same way. So hopefully what we'll see is that as you make peace with and heal these parts of you and express by moving the energy patterns, then you'll have more presence in the present moment when you're triggered to be like, oh, okay, like there's space. Like I'm not as activated and go into action in a reactive compulsive way, but I can be like, oh, I can breathe. I can see this more clearly. And then I can act more consciously you know, I can choose how I respond in this moment. And then there's less drama because you're not just in this like reenactment of the script that you have no control or consciousness over. Hmm. I have a question. How do you how do you dig up like things that happened in the past, like your childhood? Because sometimes I don't remember what happened, but like clearly something happened that I'm I'm like this. So I'm just like, how do I like I also have like memory, like memory loss issues, right? So I'm like, what happened in my past where I'm just like, like who I am now? Because I don't remember. Yeah, so <laughs> it's very common that we dissociate. Yeah. Yeah, and so dissociation is just like when something was too painful, maybe it was physical hitting or something that was honestly as a kid so overwhelming that the only way to deal with it is to actually kind of black out in the moment where mm-hmm. we're like, it feels safe in the body because we're we're essentially like disconnecting from our body so we don't feel the pain. But then that can create what you're calling like missed memory. You know, like I have parts of my my past I don't remember or like dissociation or maybe even present day when something triggering happens, your default is to maybe freeze up and not say anything. Mm -hmm. You know, that could be related. Um, So it's not necessarily that you have to go digging into the past in order to understand the present. Like in our work together, it's more like, What's happening right now? Okay, interesting. Like, given the situation, mm-hmm. what's happening right now? Okay, well, what does that remind you of, right? So it's not that I had to do a whole intake form to understand your past. I just was able to connect your current situation to the past. So you can do it proactively like that. Like, let me go from present to past based on this current situation. Or if you wanted to be like, well, I want to take inventory and really understand, you can do an exercise I have clients do, which is right in zero to seven, seven to 14. So seven-year increments, your highs and your lows. So anything you can remember, it doesn't have to be a long list right now. But the other cool thing about this is that as you reclaim these parts of you that you've frozen off, your consciousness will start to feel like, oh, it's safe to remember. And you'll start to find that more memories come back to you. Would you say that after we did that session where you went there, that all of a sudden you had more flashbacks of like other moments or you were able, once you just started digging in, you were like, oh, I'm starting to remember more. I'm yeah, I started, more. I started thinking more specifically about my relationship with my dad or also what was missing. Yeah. And I was like, huh. I don't have like, I didn't really hang out with him because I didn't like like him, and so yeah, that came up. Yeah. What if what if it's worse to remember? So it's only worse because there is a young part of you that's still in your adult body today that feels like I don't want to remember that stuff. Like I already had to live through it once. Like why do I want to like now remember this pain again? And the kid, it's true that as that young age, it was too much to go through and it was too much to feel. But actually what we don't realize is that now as an adult, we are safe to feel it and we can handle it. It's just we couldn't handle as a kid. So what really happens, I believe, is that our emotions, when something happens in this current situation, it's not just the anger as 
whatever 30, 40 year old you that's experiencing it, you're actually getting like time traveled, transported back to that anger from when you were that age. So it's like a time capsule that you get sent back and you're feeling the emotions you felt as a kid, which actually do feel very overwhelming because as a kid, it really was overwhelming. So part of this healing process is actually to tell yourself like, I'm I'm able to tell myself the truth now. Like I can handle it. I'm safe to feel it. I know in my adult body that this body is capable of being with the emotions and it's not going to end me. Whereas as a kid, it really did feel like, these are such big emotions to feel and have to, you know, suffer through depending on our backgrounds, right? So it's, yeah, truly like the only way out is through. And so being able to face it and feel it and process it and know as an adult that you are safe to feel it. And obviously if it was traumatic, you know, have an expert, have a specialist who can be with you to help you so you're not alone re-experiencing trauma and re-traumatizing yourself. But if you really do go there and express it, as we're talking about, you do move the energy out of your system. And it is really shocking, like how much you can heal from just releasing that energy. Like you've woke up feeling like a different person. Everyone in this room was like, oh, that's what happened because your response totally changed. Like you felt like a different person to us after, right? And so just feeling and moving that stuck energy, what you're feeling is healing and what you're feeling is releasing. And that's that's like the kind of like the the golden key that nobody wants to touch because they're like that. They're like, well, I don't want to deal with feeling my emotions. So I'd rather not, you know, have the freedom, but the freedom is actually on the other side of the discomfort of going there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's kind of like the, the base, you know, you said feel, you have to go through it. What, what was that last line you said? Yeah, the only way um, out is through. Out is through. And then I just wanted to say Matt Kahn's line is, um, the ego is an imaginary identity of an inflamed ego. They're sorry, of an inflamed nervous system. So the ego is an imaginary identity of an inflamed nervous system. I didn't say it well earlier. <laughs> um, also, I, I like this line out the book. You know you're dealing with your inner child when you talk negative to yourself. Mm. Um, so... So to go, sorry, say the line one more time. You got to, in order to- The only way out is through. The only way out is through. And through is expansion. So now we can raise the mood. And this is where like the magic starts happening. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I would like to maybe, maybe talk about like the first moment where you had that, literally the memorable breakout, like, whoa, I manifested my reality. Like things were just- starting to flow like what were those first things like did a hundred thousand dollars appear in your wallet <laughs> like yeah talk through those magical moments yeah so you know there's this other quote of like when you take one step toward the universe the universe takes two steps toward you and I really felt that I felt like all of a sudden the universe was co-conspiring with me and kind of coming back to that question of like how do you walk without knowing the how it's like well actually the moment you claim your dreams the how will start to reveal itself to you and you just need to be willing to claim your dreams and start walking toward them and that's what I found I found that like you know um for instance like the first business coach I hired I invested like fifty thousand dollars to work with this business coach and then within a hundred days I made a hundred thousand dollars so it was like that kind of a thing where it was like okay I I did this scary thing I jumped and then I was immediately met 
and shown that like, cool, like this is the right direction. Keep investing in coaching, like keep going in this direction. Or, um, you know, even though I'm fairly new to coaching, I've been very fortunate to so early get to work with such dream clients, you know? So one of my first clients was Honey that sold for $4 billion. Um, And it's so rare to be like, yeah, that was basically my first client essentially. (laughs) Um, And within a year of working together, he became a billionaire. Um, and you know, for a lot of people, like you have to coach for a long time and you may never even have a story like that. Or, um, you know, within a, within a year from there, I met, um, Elon Musk's cousin, um, Peter Rive, who became a client and I met him really randomly, like at a party, his wife was talking to me. Then his wife was like, you should work with Victoria. And I didn't even know who they were, who he was, um, that he became a client of mine. Or um, most recently, like I've been working with Cindy Crawford and um, because of the book. And these are all things that like, I didn't even know to put on a vision board because they seem so far out and crazy. But I do feel that like when you're in this expansion, you're essentially like in the stream of synchronicities where instead of like swimming upstream, you do feel like, wow, everything's co-conspiring. I'm in the right place at the right time and everything seems to be happening. And um, and so I do feel like you, you you bend your reality, you bend the odds in your favor when you're in this flow state. And I just want to say that to me, expansion is not the absence of contraction. It's being, being able to do what we just exampled here, right? Of like, oh, you felt this contraction. Then how did you express it? How did you move through it? Because you can feel contraction every day, but if you become a ninja at being like, oh, I'm not afraid of contraction. Like I know how to move through that. Then you can be in expansion so quickly. You're no longer getting stuck being like, oh, I don't want to feel contraction. So I'm just going <sighs> to stop here. Like I don't want to go down the roller coaster. And it's like, no, ride it. And then like be like, wee, and then come on the other side in expansion. And that's what I became a master at. So this last week when I told you I was off my digital devices, I cried every single day. So it wasn't like I was like, oh, not working and like on the beach and drinking margaritas. It was like, no, I was processing. I was feeling. I was like going to the places that I haven't gone to and like feeling things I haven't felt before. And then on the other side of it, I'm like, whoa, I feel like a brand new baby. Like I feel like a newborn, right? And I, that's I what have it a means. Question. Yeah. Um, so in my certain case, it's whenever I do feel contracted. I, I refuse to feel my emotions just because it always ends up with me being angered mm. and then it leads to me thinking very, very violent thoughts about one person. Okay. Um, Is it a parent? Yeah, it's my pops. Okay. So uh, not only that, but it also leads to like thoughts of just me beating myself up. Okay. Uh, younger me. Yeah. So that's why I tend to. That's so why. So is I asked, that what like, your dad did? Are you kind of talking to your younger self the way your dad talked to you? Yeah, I would say so. Okay. But it's it's more like. Long story short, my my uh, I was I was beat a lot, but what hurts more than that was um, my 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 dad molested my sister, mm. and I was in the other room and I knew, so. I couldn't do anything because I was a kid. <laughs> so when I, I, I tend to try to refuse to to go back to that. But when I do, um, it doesn't lead to anything good. Yeah. So I'm 24 now, and I feel like I cannot heal from that because every time I, like that that phrase, you got to go through it to what is it? You whatever. The way out is through. Yeah, yeah. I I just cannot go through it. Yeah. Because it. 
like I genuinely think I would book a flight back to Iowa and just throw away my life to take away his life. Right. I understand that. I'm so sorry that you went through that and yeah. your sister. So, so the first thing I would say is that this it was trauma, you know, both for your sister. And I know that sometimes it seems like, well, I'm not the one who went through it, but you witnessing it and feeling helpless, like you couldn't stop it. That is a loop that you probably replay in your head often. And whether it's feeling guilt or beating yourself up, a trauma is essentially like a memory on loop. It's like you're replaying it and it kind of feels like you can go right back there and it's happening right now. Would you say that it's like a trauma loop, the situation that you just described? Yeah. It's okay. um when I think about it, it's like it's my most vivid like memory. It's like I I feel exactly how I've 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 felt back then. Yeah. Like I it's it is my most vivid memory of my okay. entire life. Like I remember the bed, my bed, I remember my bedroom, I remember the house, I remember everything. So it is um, my most like pressing like vision in my head okay if we're okay on time i can help you through this right now if you want are you open to that yeah okay um so for that i actually if you wouldn't mind you don't have to even be here but can you just stand for a moment because you have to stand to do this okay so um just first i'm gonna have you look around the room and just take in five objects that you kind of don't love. Maybe like it's not your favorite flavor, or you don't really like it, and just say, I accept that to the five things. She's looking at me. I'm like, Should it be out loud? <laughs> or? Yeah, you can just say, I accept that to the five things, or you can tell me that you did it. Yeah. Do you want to hold your mic? No, I you don't have to. Don't want to. Yeah, I don't think he has to. Um... The Dave and Buster's basketball uh-huh. thing is out okay, of place. Okay, good. I accept that. I accept that. Uh-huh. I don't like bananas with brown on them. Mm-hmm. I, accept <laughs> I accept that. that. Um, this is very cluttered. Mm-hmm. I, I accept, accept that. that. Okay, good. Sorry, man. <laughs> um, I don't. I don't know what else. Like, there's nothing else I really hate. Dislike. About these? The phone. Uh huh. Oh, accept that. Have and a I think camera. you just one more. I accept that. Uh huh. Do I actually have to like feel like I'm accepting it? No, I'm you're not? doing it okay. perfectly. Um, the door slightly open. Okay, and I accept, I accept that. that. Okay, now five things you like and say I accept that. Um, I like. Can I say my friends? Yeah. I accept that. Uh huh. I liked that. Wu Talk is so about this podcast that he turned his living room into a set with no complaints. Yeah. I accept, accept that. that. Uh-huh. I like that once again, all of this is he's so dedicated to his craft that the clutter is for a reason. I accept that. I accept that. Uh I think it's just two more. Um, yeah, I like my vape. I accept uh-huh. that. Okay, good. I like, uh, I like seeing a lot of shoes at the doorway. It nice. reminds me of home. Good. Childhood. Yeah. So I accept that. Okay, good. And then finally, just five things that you feel neutral 
neither strong like or dislike, and I accept that. Mm, the walls. Okay. I accept cool. that. Good. Uh, neutral. Huh. I feel like it's just going to be all the household objects. That's great. Okay, the floor? Uh-huh. The blinds? Uh-huh. Oh, I do like that there's sunlight behind the blinds. No nice. control. Okay, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Good. Uh, I like the appliances. Uh-huh. They're modern. And I like that there's a dryer and washer in there. Okay, great. I accept that. I okay, accept great. That. And then I think I would put down the mic just so you can be present for the rest of it. Okay, good. So I'm just going to have you close your eyes for the rest, and you can just face this wall for now. And maybe just standing in the middle so you're just sort of supporting yourself grounded. Okay, good. Um, and so first, just tuning into this last week, think of an event that didn't go the way you wanted it to. And then when you have it, tell me what the image is. Okay. Uh huh. And what's the thought? Uh, my thought is that I have to put more money into buying a car. Yeah. And that in turn makes my mom worry about my finances. Okay. And then what's the, the emotion that brings up in your body? Like, my chest is kind of tight. Yeah. And I think that stems from, I, I, like I very badly want to buy my mom a house. Okay. But that's just not happening yet. So some, maybe some guilt? Yeah, kind of guilt. Okay. Okay. And, um, it's, it, I think it stems from, I've always wanted to, to protect my mom. Yeah. And then stemming from that situation I told you. Yeah. I've always, I've always felt like I'm not able to protect anybody in my life. Yeah, okay. So what does that bring up and what emotion is that right now? Sadness? Yes. Helplessness? Anger? Yeah. To myself? Okay. Okay. So on your next exhale, you can let this go. <sighs> okay, good. On your next inhale... I want you to breathe in a moment that did go the way you wanted it to this week. And once you have that, tell me what the image is. Um, we talk, reaching out, and us continuing to be friends. Okay, and what's the thought? That our relationship is strong enough that after his anger, he deemed me good enough to keep around in his life. Mm. And what's the emotion? Love. Mm. And where do you feel that sensation in your body? Also, chest. Yeah. Okay. Is it like opening, warming? Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Just let yourself breathe that in and then release that on your next exhale. Okay, good. And then just take one step forward from where you are. Okay, good. And then now, keeping your eyes closed to the rest of this, we're just going to go into that moment for very briefly, just as we just did these moments briefly. But take me to that scene and walk me through 
what you just described to me in the bedroom next door, Tommy. Yeah, you're safe to go there right now. Um, uh, we grew up in three-story house. It was top floor. Yeah. Um, me and my sister's room were next to each other, and my parents was the master across and down the hallway. Yeah. And I, I always my my door was like right here, and I always slept like right next to the door, but I faced away from the door. Um, and I could hear my dad's footsteps. Yeah. Into into. I said she was wrong. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, the first few times I didn't like I didn't know what it was. And then she had told me and we like cried and broke down. Mm -hmm. And then after that, I continued to hear it happen. Uh, and I desperately wanted to get up and stop it. Mm -hmm. But it felt like my body was in shock. Mm -hmm. So I could never move. Yeah, okay. And then we came up with a plan to call CPS anonymously and tell them, and they found out, and then nothing happened. Okay, okay. And so just wind it back a little bit and just take me to the worst moment. You told me you can remember, like it was clearly like you could see the room and everything, but just take me to the worst moment. I would say me facing away from the room and not even having the strength to turn around. Okay. Yeah, okay. So just lean into this for a moment. We're just going to be here for a few seconds. But just really let yourself go here. You're going to feel this one time only. This is the once and for all. You can do this. And just leaning into this and tell me when you turn it up to a 10. Like this is as most as you can feel it. Um, I'm gonna be honest, I, I, I feel like it was earlier. Um, okay, good. So, I, I feel like my emotions are a, li a little stunted right that's now. That's okay, I can see you're, you're trembling a little bit, which is normal, so you're going a little bit numb at, out of protection, and that's okay. So just tell yourself, like, I'm safe, I'm allowed to feel this, and whatever's here is, is natural, and it's fine, even if it means a little bit of numbness and frozenness is coming up to protect. And just say, like, I'm safe. I'm allowed to feel this. Say it out loud? You know, you just tell yourself, your inner child, I'm allowed to feel this. Yeah. Yeah, the tears might come. Feeling of helplessness might be here. Feeling of powerlessness might be here. That's my, uh, my thoughts are going to be in the fuck out Okay, good. Okay, let's go there. So let's go to that anger. Like... What the fuck are you doing? Okay, so let's lean into that. Feeling that outrage. Feeling that. And just being like, I could kill you. If you were right here right now, I would kill you with my bare hands. Okay, and tell me when you feel that at the 10. Okay. Yeah, probably say 10. Okay, good. What's the image? Um, it's pretty brutal. Yeah. Like, I'm like actively killing him. Okay, yeah. And in this scene, we're just going to take you to what actually happened. So just that feeling in your body and being next door, this worst moment of just feeling like this is what you want to ha what you want to do in the room next door. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. You're, you're imagining that. Okay. And then what's the thought? Um, me standing up and going over there and... Yeah. Stabbing him. Yeah. Okay. Quite a lot. Yeah. Okay. And what's the emotion? good yeah okay and what's the sensation in your body free okay okay so i want you just to lean into this scene where you're next door so not the scene of you actually killing him but in the scene where you felt trapped and stuck and you're just there frozen in your bed hearing him knowing what's happening and just being like oh my god i want to do something about this so just feel that Okay, and then I want you to freeze the scene like you're taking a picture of it and don't let it move forward or backward in time. Okay, so it's frozen. What do you see in this screenshot? Uh, Me laying kind of like in a fetal position. Yeah. Um, Turned away from my door. Okay. Okay, so keeping your eyes closed, I want you to lift your pointer finger and I want you to pierce this frozen image. So again, don't let it move forward or backward in time. Okay, good. And then where do you see your, in your mind's eye, your finger piercing this image? Uh, Right in the middle. Okay, okay, good. Excellent. And then now I want you to just tell me approximately how far do you feel is the distance between the tip of your finger and the ceiling above you in this room? I'd say it's halfway between the roof and the floor. Okay, good. And if you had to like put like a couple feet to it, what is that like four feet or? Uh, yeah, I'd say four feet. Okay, great. And then how about the distance between your finger and the floor beneath you? How many feet? Um, also four feet. Okay, good. And then how about the distance between your finger and the wall to your left? That's, um, I, I'd say that's about like eight. Uh-huh. And the distance in your finger on the wall to your right? Two, maybe. Okay. And let's bring it to this room that we're in right now. So this living room. So keeping your finger up. So in the middle of the screen, I want you to tell me the distance between your finger and the wall to your left of the room we're all in right now. Open my eyes? No, keeping your eyes closed, yeah. Um, five? Five feet, good. Okay, and the distance your finger on the wall to your right. You're doing great. We just have a couple more seconds here. Twelve. Twelve feet. Okay, good. And the distance your finger and the ceiling, was it also still four feet? Uh, no, like... Eight for eight. some reason. Okay, great. And the distance... Okay, and the distance between your finger on the floor... Four. Okay, good. And then distance your finger on the wall in front of you. Uh, four. Okay, good. And then distance your finger on the wall behind you. Six. Okay, good. And then slowly, you're going to start turning 180. So you're going to face the opposite wall. And as you turn, you can lower your hand. And then just take a deep breath here. Good, let's do that one more time. 
And where is the scene now? Uh, like, did you back on it? Yeah, where did it go, the frozen picture? Um, it's the same thing. Uh, honestly, no, it's, I'm, I'm flat on my back now. Okay, we're just tuning into it relative to where you're standing now. Where is that picture? Oh, um, same. Yeah, so is it in front of you, behind you, to your side? Uh, in front of me. Okay. And just tune into your body for a moment here and just feel in relationship to what you just described to us. And you might notice some new emotions coming up and that's also normal. I'm gonna be honest, I think my body's going into shock. Yeah. Okay, so a bit of like frozenness coming up right now? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so just take a couple deep breaths here. A little better. Okay, good. Yeah, so what we just did is we helped your brain file it away in a time and place so that now when you feel into this memory, you'll notice that you can still think about it, but what do you notice the charge in your body currently about it? Um, when I'm envisioning that same picture, I'm not immediately going straight to anger. Yeah. Do you feel like some space right now? Yeah, space is the best word for it. Okay, yeah. So earlier when it was like a 10 that you felt that, what does it feel like right now? Just like the truth in your body, there's, and it could be like nothing because you're frozen, but just what's true right now in your body? Mm, I would say neutral. Yeah, okay, good. All right. Good, so just taking a couple deep breaths here and just feeling that. So if we define trauma as a memory on loop, we've now placed the trauma in time and space behind you so it feels like you can recall it as a terrible thing that happened, but it's not hijacking your system. Yeah. Okay, good. And so just relaxing into your body, maybe for the first time ever, you're really feeling like, oh, okay, like my body's here, it's safe in my body. I don't have to brace myself. Yeah, and I like the way you're holding your body right now, just feeling like I'm safe. Yeah, and it's also natural for there to be some tears. Like, essentially, we're letting, because we just move the energy pattern out of your system, there's new emotions that might be here before you were only able to feel one way about it because it was a frozen energy pattern. Yeah. And so just notice that there's a sense of calm. Maybe there's a sense of, like, okay... I'm okay. And what are you aware of now? Um, the shakes are going away. Yeah. Uh, I can envision my dad's face without immediately going into... Anger. Yeah, okay. Yeah. 
Okay, good. Yeah, just feeling this energy recalibrating around this new insight, this new awareness. Yeah, it's a new unfamiliar place to be. And it's safe here. There still might be tears, the sadness is still true. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is what's beyond that frozen response. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. <coughs> to be sad. You're allowed to feel this. now um way more light yeah <sighs> yeah you don't have to hold and carry that burden anymore yeah you can let it go you can put it down now? Oh, I'm laughing because <laughs> I really need to go to therapy. <laughs> that was, that was insane. Oh, thank you. Yeah, so you're, what you're noticing is there's new waves now that the, the energy's been moved. You access something that you couldn't access before when the anger and the trauma was frozen. 
was crazy. You could be in therapy for 10 years just talking about it. <laughs> well, I, need to, I need to go back to reading your book. <laughs> <laughs> hey, say, hey, say what you said uh, earlier. <laughs> say what you said. Oh, I, uh... I uh, I said that I stopped reading your book because I already knew everything in it. <laughs> <laughs> but really, really, it's just because I have commitment issues. I, yeah, I can't, I can't there's a, book a part or a of you that was just like I don't. I'm protecting myself. That was myself. genuinely like insane. <laughs> Holy fuck. Good. Wow. Thank you for letting us, yeah, witness you and going there. That was that was crazy to watch. That was. <laughs> I almost felt intrusive just being here. Like, it was so, I don't know, that was so crazy. Oh, I mean, there's no other words. I have no words. Yeah, like, go drink some water. I know it feels like it was pretty gentle what just happened, but it was super intense what we just released from your body. So, like... Why you drink the tap water when there's spring water right there? So, just, like, don't, don't go out tonight. Like, don't do anything crazy. Like, just rest, sleep early. Like you just released a lot. Where can people work with you? How can they find you? <laughs> honestly, honestly, like yeah, the work we've been doing has been is monumental. Like I've never, I've never experienced like it. I describe it to somebody as as simple as like if you ever wanted to learn how to box, like why would you watch YouTube videos when you can go to a professional that's like saving you? Like there's so many things that I'll just like dump on you and it'll be like this happened in every detail and 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 i think that it's this and how do i fix it like this and you're like well you got to be over here i'm like oh oh it was that oh <laughs> my whole life i've been trying to go that way <laughs> and you just told me to look over there and that just literally fixed everything it gave me a different perspective so mm. yeah that Thank was you. literally like, like i'll never forget that holy mm. fuck <laughs> You know, something I thought about during, uh, during this, that it was like, it's funny how things work because like, I feel like if, if I didn't have a mental breakdown, like two weeks ago prior to you, which was already, your show was already scheduled. And then it was like, felt like I, like, I don't know how I would have like asked for an example through contraction. Like, I don't, I can't remember the last time that it was like something was dramatic enough for me to even like be stumped. So somehow know? it was all perfect. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> meant to be. Exactly my point. We yeah. were all meant to be in this room together. Yep. That was very cool. What What are you working on now that's like absolutely most exciting to you? Thanks for asking. Um, as you all just witnessed, like I'm so fortunate to get to help people on their journeys of healing, dreams come true, you know, freedom in all these ways. This is freedom in different ways. And um, I've been able to work with some really exceptional humans. And I noticed that the work, at least at the investment level, that the one-on-one -on -one clients were investing was not accessible, which is why I released the book to make my work accessible. But then something unexpected happened was that so many people who read my book wanted to work with me, but in a more accessible way than the work that I do with my one-on-one -on -one clients. And so the thing that I'm really excited about is I have courses now. So I have master classes and courses and programs and things as low as like 
$222 that you can access some of my best work up to the thousands of dollars, you know, the work that we're doing. Um, and I even have something even newer coming out that is going to be the most successful, I think, the best personal development offer on the internet um, that's going to make something like the work that we just did, the process I took you through, like being able to move this energy and demo it and be like, this is how you process anger. This is how you process sadness. Like I'm going to be showing and demoing you like one minute videos of everything. And that is going to be released very, very soon. So I'm most excited about the fact that I'm getting to make all of my work as accessible as possible so that it's not just for the billionaires that uh, can afford to work with me. Yeah, I need all of that. Where can, they, <laughs> where, can, where can they find, like, where can they sign up to be alerted? Like, where can they find yeah. you? Yeah, so um, my website, www.victoriasan.me, I'm sure you'll link to it. But on that website, I have my courses page, which you'll see every possible offering. I have Bending Reality Around Body is my newest course. So as you just saw with the emotional blockage that was happening here, I have seen time and time again that when my clients do this work, they actually drop weight. I've released 20 pounds in two months from emotional processing. Oh, you mean literal weight. Literally. Oh, okay. I can't yeah. have that right now. Yeah, yeah, not yeah. you. Not you, but um, whether... Yeah. yeah, whether it's like a, a men putting on weight or women releasing weight, I found that a lot of our body issues is like these limiting beliefs, this emotional processing, like so often like we are carrying shame and judgment in the form of this excess layers or... Um, keeping us in a, a state of anxiety where we can't put on weight, right? So if this trauma has been held in your body the way it has been, I wouldn't be surprised if that was also limiting your ability to you know, put on weight too, right? So that could also be the case as well. But there's so many emotional blockages that interrupt our relationship to our body. So I actually have a bending reality body program coming up. Um, but essentially you can learn to bend reality when it comes to money, success, love, uh, your body, Everything essentially is what I'm teaching people. Real quick, we got extra time for Brando. Step on up. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, know what I, you know what I did notice during that exercise, though? Um, a, lo a lot of my reactions were kind of delayed. And I realized that in my head, as soon as I felt it coming on, my, my mind would like immediately shut it down. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. So that's why, like, 30 to like 30 seconds later, that's when I started crying. Yeah. So. Well, and also it's, interesting it's natural after the trauma was that was frozen is released that the tears come. But it's like the tears of sadness were being blocked by just like the frozen state of helplessness, powerlessness that was you were responding to with anger. So once we got that unlocked, then the tears came. So it's actually very common for people when they finish the trauma release that the result is they cry. Yeah, I've been, I've been crying like that in very long years. Actually, yeah. no, a week. Yeah, <laughs> and and could you hear for those in the room that the the, the way the tears were coming, it felt like his inner child. Yeah. yeah, it felt like however old you were, that was who was crying, and that is exactly kind of a illustration of the point of like that's what we're crying out is the emotional experience of the child. And that's what was frozen all these years. By now, you've seen us drink this beautiful drink. And this is Nectar Hard Seltzer, the first Asian-inspired hard seltzer featuring delicious flavors like Asian pear, lychee, mandarin, and yuzu. Now, unlike all those big brands out there that have that disgusting aftertaste, we got rid of it. 
There is no weird aftertaste in this. We actually started Nectar two years ago out of my garage, and because of a viral TikTok, we took off. And because of supporters like you, we've now expanded Nectar into five states, California, Hawaii, Washington, New York, and New Jersey. If you'd like to get a box of Nectar, here are four easy options to choose from. Go to our website, NectarHardSeltzer.com, click on the store locator, and the store closest to you will pop right up. If we're not in any stores near you, next time you're in your favorite store, ask the manager to stock us. You'll be genuinely surprised how well that works. And if we're not in any stores near you yet, or we're not in your city, you can order us online. We ship to 45 states. And if we can't ship to you, send us a text that tells us where we need to go next. Drink Nectar Hard Seltzer, unique Asian flavors, and no weird aftertaste. Now back to whatever the hell they're talking about. When you said that you spent a week just away from everybody and you went there to process, like, are there any practices to process? Are you like, hey, break out a journal? Like, how do you kind of and I guess your course will teach that, but yeah. how, how do you process? Yeah. Yeah. So it depends on like, what is the blockage in that person's life currently? But you know, in this example, for instance, like things around parents, which was all the examples today, which honestly, a lot of us have things around our parents. Um, so, you know, for some of us, again, it's not the letter you send, but you first write a very expressive letter where you're like, I'll never forget when you did X, Y, Z. I'll never, like, how could you do this? Who are you to that? Like, I will always remember this thing that you did. And like, you write that really angry, non-filtered, unedited version, right? To start. And then even after that, once you kind of get the things blown up or kicking up, you can grab like, I often like everyone has a bath towel, but you can grab a bath towel and like hit the floor and like let that anger move through you. You could go to work out. Like you said, you did physical exercise. You could um, get a bat. Like seriously, this past week I had a bat and like like a plastic bat actually. Packing door treats, like weapons. <laughs> yes. Everyone's like, you good? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Where are um, you going? And like, and like a pillow. And I was just like hitting, you have like a bean bag or so it's just something that's like safe because your safety is number one, right? Don't hurt yourself doing this. I actually have, they're coming off now, but you can see some scabs from my knuckles from doing this this past week. Um, but like taking a bat and like hitting something and saying the words. So like, F you, like, I hate you. Don't touch me. Like, get the F away from me. Like, whatever it is, like you just scream it. And so the point is expression. Move the energy out of your system. Okay. And then after you move the energy out of your system, could you see for all of you how like you, you were just instantly lighter? Yeah, you I said feel it. extremely light. Yeah. I feel so light. Yeah. Right. And isn't that night and day from where you started? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's the cool thing. It's like literally people, easier to like breathe. Yeah. Everyone's trying to be calm. Yeah. Everyone's like, oh, I'm learning to meditate because I'm so angry. So I'm trying to calm myself down. It's like, no, don't chase this state. Feel the emotions and then the state will naturally arise. Mm. Like this state comes naturally. It's just step two after you express and process everything. You woke up feeling totally different. Just a natural step two after you expressed yourself. Something I want to say that your book put like, it was your your book that put it into perspective for me. It was like all the, um, all the self-help and like all of those like practices, like, they all teach one version of like getting rid of contraction or accessing expansion, but like they're like kind of missing like what's the underlying reason of why it works. Yeah. And that's why I think like, I mean, this has been like, I probably put on like four people to this book already, like force them to read it. And then, um, force them to read it. Like, like if people like my brother, my I'm life. like, read this book right now. <laughs> and, uh, but and, like he's like definitely, he's like reading it for the second time as well. But it's, um, wow. 
But that was super powerful to me because like I feel like if you are somebody that wants to constantly become better, you tr- you try to just layer on thing after thing. Like I want to optimize. You can't think yourself out of this, exactly. right? Could yeah. you have thought your way out of what you just let us witness? Could you have thought your way through this without feeling it? Yeah. Uh, it's always, like I said, that, that block where it always turns into anger. Yeah. And, and at first you said, well, what if I can't feel it? What if I can't go there? Yeah. But then you just did. Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm envisioning that same situation and I'm okay now. Yeah. Uh, Isn't that crazy? Yeah, you're a ma- you're a what I wanted when I tried to go to therapy when I was 21. <laughs> like, I've been in therapy for years. That, that right Talking there, about it's not going to get you anywhere. Yeah. Feeling it. That experience was what I was searching for. And yeah, therapy. I, I My therapist tried to relate to me and she was like... <laughs> It was, was like was that time only, when <laughs> I was I was the only white kid in a or I was the only Asian kid in a all white school. And then after I had told her that this. situation, <laughs> wow, I, I never went back. Yeah, yeah. Brando, you're next. Yes. How, how did you get to systemize it? Because it seems like like every single time that there was a block, I'm like, how, how is she going to navigate through this one? And it just seems <laughs> like that every single thing that you had some sort of systemized way of. And it doesn't necessarily mean it doesn't like make it anything less. It just seems like that there was always an answer to whatever problem. And I'm not sure if it becomes from like the years of practicing it or maybe that you like, was it you? Were you the first like subject and sat there and like practiced it until you were able to make that breakthrough and then you started to use it on other people? And yeah, see if they everything were- I use on my clients, I've experienced and saw the breakthrough. Like I took, you know, I've been taken through a trauma release and was like, whoa, that was incredible. So I was like the first lab rat for everything, you know? And, um, but I will also say that, uh, even though I have, you know, multiple certifications for coaching and I have whatever, like intellect has studied a lot, I, I've also cultivated my intuition. And I think that that's really what my clients feel for me is that like, I know what I'm talking about, but I also can intuitively pick up very instantly, the situation, you know, I can like meet somebody and not know, I don't know anything about your histories, right? And I could just very quickly intuitively know how to guide that person. And I think that that's also why I, I don't think you need to be stuck in years of therapy. Like I, I, part of my writing my book and doing the work that I do is like, after we do this work, I want you to be empowered with the tools and take yourself through this. And you don't need to feel like you need to stay with me forever or something like that. It's like, yeah, you're free now. Right. And I, this is like, honestly, what I feel like I was put on the planet to do. And I feel like I get evidence all the time for like, this is my calling. And I feel so lucky that I've been, just as you said, like, if you didn't have the situation happen to you, if I didn't have my trauma, if I didn't go through what I did as a kid, I also was physically abused growing up. So like, if I didn't go through that, I wouldn't have been so desperate to heal and so desperate to try everything out there. And I wouldn't have now this incredible toolkit where it's like, like you said, I'm like almost modality agnostic. Like we haven't even done that together, right? But it's just like, I know what to pull out of my toolkit depending on the situation and the person and um, I wouldn't have had that if I didn't have to out of necessity heal myself this quote is really good from your book the greatest expansion comes not from never being in contraction but in getting back into expansion every time you get knocked into contraction yeah and like I that was that was kind of like an unlock for me because you know I'm always just like oh I'm in contraction uh like uh 
I keep thinking that there's like a tally of like a jar of contractions versus expansion. And if I have too many contractions, I'm never going to get back into expansion right. and my expansion is not going to work. But in reality, I've reformulated it in my brain as it's in reps. So every time you, you, you hit a rep of going into contraction and back, you're, you're that much stronger yeah. in staying into expansion or making it that much more powerful. So that's been super helpful. Um, I would love for you to talk about the three fields of reality. Mm. And and just where you believe most people are stuck and how you should you know try to move out of them. Yeah, I'm sure there was like a plan for today, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a billion questions. Like, These are all good questions. Yeah. yeah um, how much more time do you have, by the way? This is I'm been, good. Okay, I'm okay. good. Yeah, we'll keep it. We'll keep it <laughs> moving. Clearly, I can stay. You can all. make this into a three part series. I don't yeah. care. <laughs> Seriously. I'll come to Hawaii with you all. We'll just keep going. Oh, 100%. 100%. <laughs> we'll, we'll do it. to everything that we do ever. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll do it live. <laughs> um, yeah, so three fields of reality is a really interesting concept that um, essentially I believe that most of the world, because of our comfort zone, we want to do what feels predictable. We want certainty in our life. So most of the world lives in what I call like this predictable field of reality where it's like, I want to know that if I do X, I get Y. I want to stay in my comfort zone. This is like, get a job, doesn't care if I don't like the job, but just get a paycheck. One day I might retire. I'll save up, right? It's like the very kind of standard. Let me avoid discomfort. Let me just prioritize safety. But in this realm, there's essentially, you never need to face, you know, your fears. You never have to be too courageous. You never have to step outside your comfort zone and grow. You never need to put yourself in any uncertain situations. There's sort of this feeling of like, let me just make everything as predictable as possible. And that's really the field where like the only way to make more money is just to work longer hours. It's a very like in and out linear approach to life. But what a lot of the clients who find me are like, well, I want to bend reality. I don't just want to like trade time for money, right? So then it's like, well, what, what's required to reach the next level, the next field, which is the field of um, possibility, where it's not just like predictable. It's like, well, what's possible? You know, what is something that maybe I've never seen evidence for and I don't even know if it's possible because I've never done it before, but it requires courage, right? It requires you to face your fears. It requires you to know how to handle these emotions that come up. How do you put yourself outside your comfort zone and say like, I'm going to journal and be a better version of me. Like, I don't just want to be the version of me that I read five years ago. Like, I want to feel like every day I'm growing so that what I'm a match for is different and it gets to continue to grow and evolve. Like the jobs, the people, the relationships, what I'm a match for continues to expand because I'm changing as a person. And that's like a kind of uncomfortable place for people to live because most people, again, want to just be predictable and certain all the time. But I believe all entrepreneurs play in this field, which is like, it may work, it may not work, but let's go for it and see what happens. Um, but if it doesn't work, can I get back up or am I just going to be like, oh, I knew it. I'm such an idiot. I won't amount to anything. I'm, my parents were right about me. Like, I'm so worthless. Like, are you going to beat yourself up or are you going to be like, you know what? Like, let me muster up the courage to face my fears. Let me try it. And if I fail, I'm going to just get back up and I'm not going to make it mean something about, oh, I'm doomed to fail for the rest of my life or I'm doomed to be worthless because this didn't work out. It's like learning how to walk with that uncertainty and walk with disappointment and walk with your pain and your sadness. Like that's like a level of emotional mastery that if you can do what we're talking about, which is like have a fast emotional metabolism, move through what you just, like you just, you just face the most traumatic thing of your entire life in like five minutes, right? Like you just moved through it. And most of the world is like, 
like how you felt like that thing. I never want to think about that thing. I never want to feel that thing. Like, let's not go there. But then you stay in this like really small box of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. But if you're willing to feel uncomfortable, emo- if you're willing to feel uncomfortable emotions, you start to play and access this higher field. And then the field that I think, you know, the book is really helping people with is like, how do you get into the crazy field where it's like, whoa, this is, I wasn't even expecting this. This wasn't even on my vision board. So everything I described of like, I didn't know I'd be working with like a billionaire and my first client. Like I didn't know would Cindy Crawford be a client today. That's the field of like potentiality. So it's this idea of like, what is everything that's possible that could ever potentially happen in the world? Like infinite possibility, probability. So in the book, I say the quantum field is all the infinite possibilities and probabilities. So everything that could ever exist is in that field. But in order to access that field, that's when you really work on your nervous system. So your nervous system is able to stay open and calm in the face of uncertainty. So you can actually feel this sense of trust and surrender. Not trust that it's always going to go the way you want it to go, but trust that no matter what, you're going to be okay. Right. So when you start to feel like, oh, I can be with sadness, I can be with fear, I can face the biggest trauma that I never thought I could think or feel about, all of a sudden you're like, oh, (sighs) like I actually feel like I'm going to be okay no matter what. And then when you really feel that and embody that, there becomes like nothing you're afraid might happen. There's no person or situation you're avoiding from happening. And just feel like the freedom of like, whoa, (laughs) if there's nothing I'm afraid the other shoe's going to drop, like I'm avoiding people like this or situations like that, failure that looks like this, then you really become like one of the bravest, boldest people. Like what you go after, the leaps you're willing to make, what you think you're capable of, like you're going to be jumping and leaping, quantum leaps. I feel like I can take over the world right now. (laughs) Yeah, what? After a nap. Yeah, after a nap. I said, I I feel like I can take over the world right now. Exactly. So if this is how we know how to face discomfort, that's a problem. Most people in the world don't want want to ever be uncomfortable. Most people are like, discomfort? Nope, not signing up for that. But right on the other side of discomfort is freedom. That that was the bar you said earlier that I was like, I need to remember that one. What is it? Say we're recording. (laughs) (laughs) Right on the other side of discomfort is freedom. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. It just applies so, like, universally to everything low-key. Yeah. Man. Um, so you said something about, like, you know, every part of your work is so enjoyable, like, every single part. And even today, I struggle with that belief. I'm like, every part can't be enjoyable. I have to do the boring things. I have to, like, you know, especially growing up with immigrant parents, you have to do the boring things to be able to do the fun things. Or when you're running a business, you got to do the accounting or you got to deal with like people. Is it really true that in your line of work or everybody can find a career path where they could just solely be in their zone of genius? Yeah, so I would say that there are parts of my work. That's why you have a team, right? So I think that at the beginning of a business, when you don't have the resources to hire anybody and any support at all, you do need to connect to this like strong why. Like, why does this matter to me? Why is this so important to me? Because I believe with a strong why, you have so much energy to push through those walls and those blocks, right? So at the beginning, you do really need to believe in what you're doing so much that you're willing to do all of it. But as soon as you can afford support, 
and get resources to outsource or delegate things that are not your zone of genius, but as someone else's zone of genius. I do think the sooner you can do that, the, the higher and faster you'll go. Because what happens is like, if you're mired down, getting depleted and exhausted, doing all the little things and constant drama and constant like, oh, I feel like I suck at this, but you're still pushing yourself to do it, then even when it comes to the part of the business that you're really good at, it's going to be getting like a lesser quality energy version of you because you're so tired from putting out all the fires and all the things that you're not good at, right? So if I was like, you know what, I really hate emails and scheduling, but 90% of my business is emails and scheduling. By the time I get on a call with you, I couldn't do what I just did with you all. Right, like I would be not there. Like you would be like, is, is the magic going to start yet? Like it didn't work, you know. <laughs> like I just wouldn't have the energy and presence to be amazing at what I do if I were trying to do everything that I'm not good at. And so I really find that like the more you can reserve your energy to be in your zone of genius, and I get to peak and be even more amazing at what I do because I trust that I don't need to be good at everything, you know, to be successful. I get to just double down on my strengths. And it's like the, uh, the, it's like the expression, like if a, a, if a fish were measuring its intelligence by its ability to climb a tree, then it would think it's an idiot. It's like yeah. Einstein's quote, right? But that is how most of us are wired in society. It's like we have these standardized tests and we go to school and then we're like, oh my God, I'm an idiot. And then we spend our whole life feeling like I'm just not good enough. Hmm. I don't have my dreams because I'm just not good enough. Right? Like we all want more because we think there's a chance we're capable of more, but we're also terrified that we're not. And so that's like the message, the meaning that we make. And so it's so important to just, I hope that if you take away something, it's like just double down on your strengths. Right? Another way of putting it is like if you have a kid who's um, really bad at math, but really good at, um, I don't know, sports like baseball, hire them a baseball coach, not a math tutor. Right? Mm -hmm. Like just give them permission to go pursue the thing that they're naturally gifted at. Versus like, oh, let me wire into you that you suck. And until we make you good at the things you're bad at, then you're going to be worthless, <laughs> which is a lot of our parenting. Okay? And you were going to say something. Uh, do you think you would you would have been this successful if you had like just like an extremely ugly voice? <laughs> ugly voice? Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, because, my voice is not here, my favorite thing. <laughs> here, here's how I viewed it. During, when my eyes were closed, it was almost like like your voice was like anchoring. It was like when I was mm. lost, like that's all I could hear was your voice. And it was calming and anchoring. So Thank I'm you. wondering, what if you just had like a super ugly voice? She's like, close your eyes. <laughs> Describe <laughs> the room. What, like, what if it was Joe doing uh, that shit? <laughs> Yeah, okay, well, so maybe I would eyes. just be a book author and I would just write everything and I wouldn't do anything live. Um, that's the most random question. You know, Honestly, I, that's a good I question. Do, I do read my audiobook. So mm. if you like my voice, my audiobook, I've been told, is like hypnotherapy. Mm. People are like, if I wake up in the middle of night and I can't sleep, I just turn on your audiobook and it doesn't even matter where I start or finish. I just listen to it. Mm. So... Thank you for saying that. And I do feel like if you're, if you're someone who doesn't like the sound of your voice, I do feel like that is, again, part of our wiring. Like, who actually likes their voice? I mean, I, I didn't did. when I started, right? I like, like don't. Voice. Yeah, huh? I like my voice. I like my voice. Oh, you like your voice. Like okay. Voice. Well, for a lot of humans I know, the first time they leave their voice message for their phone, remember when we had to leave voice, I guess we still do, but when you're like, sorry, I can't get to the phone right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, like, we're always like, oh, let me rec record that 20 times because yes. I don't like the way mm -hmm. I sound. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, so sorry, we don't have this male privilege of just liking the way we sound. No, I don't kidding. like my voice. Yeah. I have a nasally voice. Wait, well, I was, was going to say, like, I don't know if this is correct, but if to, to almost like if I was 
because I'm like not very tall and I'm Asian, like I wasn't dreaming of going to the NBA. Like, you know what I mean? Like I figured out the things that worked for me that made me f- feel confident and that enjoyed being in and, and like, and like, it's like the zone of genius. And I kind of like that developed me towards even just being on a podcast, right? Like yeah. I, I literally talk for hours, even my, like, that's my whole thing I have to do is sit in front of a camera and talk about various topics. But like, I've, like, does it like the things you're confident about, does it direct you towards like where you end up going almost like, does that make sense? I don't know if I said that correctly. Yeah. You know, have you seen the Pixar movie Souls? No, not yet. Okay. So it, I really liked it for this reason. Cause there, I, I do believe this, that like when we're born, we are kind of planted with these passions and desires in our heart that are like uniquely us. And that in this lifetime, we're here to like experience what it's like to be a creative, an artist, a podcast host, right? So we just need to trust our hearts and what our heart is speaking to us. Kind of like the alchemist. Like if I actually just follow my heart, I will end up where I'm meant to be. And so I thought that was really beautiful in that um, movie. It's like, if it's almost like our desires, our interests are signposts from the universe. Mm. Just as we have street signs, we're just kind of like, oh, turn left here. Like, okay, cool. I can just trust if I follow what lights me up, then I'm going to head where I'm meant to go. But I have a question on that. Um, sorry, somebody else had a question. But um, by heart, when you say trust your heart, um, so like our somebody else who's like very magical like you that we've interviewed is Johnny Chang. He says, um, and this is more of a Christian teaching that I also subscribe to. And like, I think all of us have felt it's that like, you know, the, the gist of it is that you and your thoughts and your feelings are constantly changing. And sometimes they're not the best for you as we've all experienced, but, uh, the word of God is the same and he knows what's good for you. But the way I, I see it is that like, um, right. And especially what you're saying now kind of makes me feel this way. So correct me if I'm like bugging, but like the, the, so when you say like follow your heart, it feels like your spirit, like your, your, your spiritual yeah, self, like your spiritual self. Yeah. Like the true divine self, your inner and then, wisdom. And then the ego is yourself, like your loud self, like the one that gets possessed by negative energy and maybe doesn't have your best intentions or your goals. It's your in hurts, mind. the inner child's wounds. Mm, okay. But yes. Okay. So yeah, that is basically the gist of it. Um, Side question. So you, I remember you were listing off all those coaches. You said business coach, life coach. You said sex coach. In terms of like relationships, you said that a lot of um, a lot of your hurt was from relationships. What's your? You're married. So like, what was the process for you to kind of like find what you know? Find what was find what was actually good for you in that area of your life, like. Yeah, you know, give it. Give us the. A lot of people here are looking for their wives, and they're. Struggling. How do you know if you're finding the right person? Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, I have a theory that all chemistry does come from wound chemistry, meaning like the hotter the sex, chances are like the more you probably fight, the more there's probably some issues. <laughs> like it just heated, and um, and it's not to say you can't have both a great sex life and you know chemistry or sorry and healed relationship but just know that when you're starting out if you're young if you're in your 20s and you're like oh my god this person's so hot and like we have great sex but we've, it's really dysfunctional and toxic it's because like the chemistry the excitement comes from like ooh you're kind, it's almost like a match getting struck it's like ooh there's something happening here that's exciting it gives me butterflies it's actually because it like 
feels a little bit scary, a little bit on the edge, a little bit like something that you experienced when you're growing up. So if my feeling was like, I'm not lovable, I'm not wanted, then this person who's like not super available and doesn't call me back is like making me on edge and making me feel like, oh my God, does he like me? But it's because I actually have a wound of like, I'm not chosen, nobody loves me, I'm not wanted. So then what I'm experiencing is excitement and chemistry is like, oh my God, I love this guy, he's so exciting, is actually like he's he's kind of scratching or kind of like picking at my wound. He's sort of like, oh, I see a little bit of a scab here. If I pick at it, you're going to like me more. And how many of us, I mean, for speaking from a woman's perspective, like how many women have been more into someone who doesn't seem into us, right? Like that's because, oh, that's because um, it's, it's sort of scratching at a little bit of a wound that we have that was already there before that person came. And so I think like the beginning of my kind of healing journey was realizing like, oh, wow, like the guys that I had the best sex with were also the guys who were like cheating and lying and had double lives and like were often on the spectrum of narcissism and we're just like hiding things. And that was because that was a lot of the male energy in my life growing up was like the lying and then fidelity and the like pretending that things weren't, you know, happening that were happening. And because that was familiar to me, there was a part of me that was like, ooh, this is exciting. And I was more into those people But once I became aware that this is what was happening, I realized that like, okay, I need to not for a little bit necessarily go for the person who's like getting me these butterflies. Because chances are if I'm getting these butterflies, it's because like they're not emotionally available. Mm -hmm. They're not making me feel safe and Mm -hmm. secure and all that stuff. Um, So it took me a moment and I wouldn't say it was like an overnight thing. I've definitely, even though I have a lot of you know, magic and leadership and money and business and everything we just did here, the place that I've suffered the most and learned the most lessons has been in the arena of dating. Mm -hmm. So I would say like, that's where like most of my own like scratches and, you know, bruises have come from where I'm like, wow, I've learned a lot when it comes to relationships. So I could totally become a relationship coach at some point because it's like definitely what I know the most from everything I've been through. Um, But I will say that I was able to pick my husband, one, because he, independent of me, was already into personal development work. So Mm. before I met him, he'd already done like um, different personal development programs that were kind of well-known that I'd heard of before. And he already read a lot of books that I liked that I prior would recommend people I date read. Um, But he was like, oh no, I already read that. And I saw his copy and it was all like eared up and like marked up and like, you know, clearly well-read. So I was like, oh cool. This person's like already into working on themselves. He was doing yoga. He was doing silent meditation retreats. It was like, cool to meet someone who wasn't like motivated by me to care about this, but was like independently taking self-responsibility of like, I know that my stuff is my stuff and I want to work on myself. And, you know, whether this relationship works or not, I know that I'm going to have to work on this stuff with somebody at some point, (laughs) you know? So that was like one of the things that made me feel like my husband was different from other people I've dated. Um, And then I would say when it comes to like the sex coaching stuff, I also noticed kind of related to this that, um, when you've been, say, like physically hit or just emotionally or psychologically or sexually violated, boundaries are really hard. Like you were basically around parents that didn't understand boundaries and didn't care about boundaries. And so then growing up, it's like really easy for you to not be aware of what boundaries are. Like whether having boundaries, setting boundaries or honoring people's boundaries, it's very difficult if you didn't grow up with that. And so I noticed I was in a lot of like compromising situations romantically, sexually, where I didn't like, I didn't really want to be in this situation, but I didn't really know how to get out of it. And it was like, because I had parents that were just like 
believed they knew what's best for me. It didn't really matter what I thought. Mm -hmm. And so that I would date people who like didn't really care what I said or didn't really care what I thought and just felt like they had the answer. So that was sort of me realizing like my sexuality, my body was not something that I was claiming as my own. It was something that I was like still kind of responding to like, oh, if this person finds me attractive, Mm -hmm. then I feel good enough (laughs) versus like how do I enjoy sex for me? It was sort of like, oh, I only know how to enjoy sex as far as someone wants to have sex with me. And then it becomes like what we expect sex is supposed to go like versus Mm. like, oh, how can I enjoy sex in a way that's not how we teach in our culture, right? Or like in porn or whatever. So that was a huge part of sex coaching was just like having a healthier relationship to sex. So I think the truth is like most of us are not educated for what healthy sex looks like. And then most of us get our education from porn, which is not healthy sex. So I would say like 99% of the world does not have a healthy relationship with sex. So that was like a huge part of my healing too. I don't have any relationship with sex. Oh yeah. So I struggle with jealousy in relationships. And is does that stem from like something that went on in my childhood as well? And, like, how do you deal with jealousy if you've ever been jealous? Yeah, I would say, like, two things. I think all qualities, to some degree, would have evolved out of existence if there was no value in them at all, right? So it's, it's like, you don't want to be raging... But anger is a sign of, like, injustice. Like, a a boundary was violated, Mm -hmm. and this is not okay, right? So similarly, like, I would say there's no, like, bad quality that all humans should just not have, period. It's like, yeah, a little bit of anger, a little bit of whatever, a little bit of jealousy shows that, like, oh, I really am surprising myself that I, I like, protective over this person or being my person, right? But then where it starts to be like, oh, I'm reading between the lines and I'm looking for things that Mm -hmm. aren't true and I don't trust you, that's where it's, like, extreme and not healthy. Um, And usually these patterns, they're learned from a parent. So chances are in your family growing up, did you see your mom or your dad, like, incredibly jealous? Or was that, like, a way that they kind of showed love or, like, that energy? Mm. So growing up, my parents were actually, like like the perfect parents but then later on like now they're a little they're a little weird now but like yeah <laughs> how does that weird. happen <laughs> my mom was i guess they were both kind of like faking it for the family but okay, like so literally faking it but that's the key word yeah i didn't like but see you knew anything. see i believe kids mm-hmm. are so intuitive and so wise that you picked up that something didn't quite add up but because they verbally told you everything was fine you, that actually will make you as an adult trust yourself less because you felt like, oh, I like just, I always felt that everything was fine, but I mean, I, it didn't, it, something didn't quite add up, but they're acting like everything's fine. So you said faking it. I think kids uh-huh. can tell. I, I dead, maybe I was a dumb child, but like I, I dead ass. <laughs> You're not giving yourself credit. No, I think I, you knew and then you consciously like maybe blocked it out. Yeah, because they never, no, the knew. thing is like they never fought. They never fought and like they would always go on little dates with each other, right? Okay, so they and ticked then, off all the boxes. They're yeah. romantic, they're sweet. Yeah, okay, maybe not sweet, but then they never fought and then they would just like talk to each other very nicely. And like, and then we would all go out to eat like every Sunday. Like it literally seems so like, yeah, like, like, oh my God. I used to always be like, oh, I love my family. And like my friends would be like, I'm so jealous of your family. Like, they, you know, they, so they care. So people hope- think a lot. Oh God. I, I think that my mom, she, I think my mom's the one that like held it in. My dad just didn't know. Well, I yeah, feel I like a- my dad thought so your like. your dad also thought everything was perfect. Yeah. I think my mom was the only one that held it down for the family. And 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 my and my dad and the kids didn't know. I have a theory. Yes. Can, can Let's I express hear it. my theory? Yes. So you know how you said growing up you thought they were perfect and yeah. then 
were you blindsided when when did is you it fe- divorce? What was the thing that is not right now? Right now, my mom has realized that like my dad has kind of like put her in a box where like my mom used to be very very independent, but then when she got married to my dad, she became very very dependent on him, and then she feels like she's a. Uh, like she wasn't able to do what she wanted to do. Like my dad kind of like made her like belittled her in the way where like But like you never not- saw that. No. Yeah. Interesting. I don't know. It, do you think it's subconsciously like I did, but like I try to like hide it? Because from like genuinely well, speaking, the personal I don't- question is do you date guys that make you feel small or belittle you? Hmm. <laughs> you don't have to answer it. No, 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 for no. All no. of us. No, no, I, I, I'm really trying to think. I actually like. God, interesting. Uh, only one guy in my whole like. So I've dated like what four guys, and only one guy I really felt like was always disrespecting me. Okay. Yeah. Like, was he like expecting you to be in a box and kind of? Hmm. No, he would just actually belittling me. Like he would just, he was just a a gaslighter and a narcissist is what I'm thinking. None okay. of those are even real, bro. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Like, how do I explain it? This guy was. Uh, do you like- know who she's talking about? Is that what's happening? Or no, no, no. no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> There's a whole. Oh, well, no. we'll tell you later. Um, but yeah, um, no, this guy. He was just to- he was just very toxic in the way where like I'd, I'd just be like, hey, I don't really like you when you do this, you know, because it makes me feel a certain way. He'd be like, like, why do you feel like that? That's like your problem for feeling that way. Yeah, like, why is it my yeah. fault? Wait, did you, did you say he also like went behind your back to like like girls' pictures yeah, and yeah, stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I be- really don't like that. Yeah, I really don't like... Yeah, that's the same thing. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you think that's what caused that trauma and now you're jealous because of it? No, you was jealous before. Yeah, I'm not oh, gonna lie. I've always before? been jealous, but like that was the worst case. Huh. Yeah, of like jealousy. So we, I, I feel what I've seen is that we either repeat our parents' patterns, mm-hmm. right, what they did, or in rebellion to their pattern, we do the opposite. It's not that creative. It's either like, mm. oh, our parents were like this, and I think that that's good, so I'm like that too. Or it's like, or it's, sometimes it's bad, but we still like. If our parents were angry at temper tantrums, we don't like that about our parents, but we mm-hmm. also have that. So it's like we either do what they did, or we try to actually do the opposite. So if you felt that your parents were like, you know, I don't know, not passionate, like there wasn't a lot of passion, and you think that jealousy means like more passion and that you like care more about somebody, mm. then that might be like what you think like, oh, I have a real relationship unlike their relationship that was like, seemed really perfect on the outside, but was like fake because they didn't really care about yeah, they each other. They were passionate. It was more like they were just very like mellow. Yeah. You know, they just, it, is that, and, and are you saying that I'm trying to do the opposite of that? Yeah, like we can often feel uh-huh. like if you had a judgment that like that seems boring or like I don't mm. want that relationship, then you would think that, oh, this means I'm more passionate about, that I care more and therefore like I get more jealous, there's more fire, you know, then you might think that that indicates to you like this person's good for me or I'm excited about this person because I've never felt this strongly about somebody. Mm. That's just one possibility if that's how your parents were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they weren't like passionate about each other. But I feel like if you're if you're dating someone for like, I mean, if you're married with somebody for like 25 plus years. But they fight. They- 
right? Like sometimes like even though they might they not bicker, be. bicker, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But isn't that normal? Is that not normal? Yeah, no, fighting is normal. Okay, I actually yeah. think it's healthy that relationships yeah. argue because it's about how you fight that matters. Yeah. Maybe I don't pick up context clues. What do you, <laughs> what do you think No, is, don't second guess yourself. What's like a healthy way to fight? What's like a healthy version of like... Yeah, I was just about to say, I was wondering, I thought in your relationship, it's like doves and everyone's barefoot in linen. We're just so shaman chic all the time. Yeah, yeah. animals be like walking up to deers. Like, what is it? What is your relationship? I do have animals walking up to me. Actually? (laughs) Yeah, they like want to come get pet by me or something. Not like like a wild, like squirrel. She's that that meme where it's like like a man just holding like all the animals. Wait, your mic. Yeah, you just have that vibe. Wait, so, that so like. um, yeah, what is your relationship like? Like, would you say that it's way more peaceful, or like, you know, is it is it what you imagine and hope your relationship could be? Or, yeah, do you have hardships? So, I do feel that kind of how I mentioned that wound chemistry creates chemistry. I do think that it's very unlikely that you would even want to date somebody that doesn't trigger you a little bit. Because there's something about the way they're reminding you of how you felt as a kid that's like just puts you a little bit on your toes that makes you feel like, ooh, I'm excited about them. Otherwise, you'd be like friend zone. Mm-hmm. I don't feel the way I want to feel about this person. Mm-hmm. So I so I would say that like James and I, we still like had moments where we activated each other because that's needed that to be there for us to then be attracted to each other. But I think that if you decide James. in the is my husband's name. A white man? <laughs> huh? A white man? Yeah. <laughs> but there are Asian Jameses. Why would you assume? Wait, did you, did you not know that she was married? No, I know she was married. Okay, I was about to say, because she got that big ass But, but I finger. will say his Chinese is better than mine. Whoa. Really? Yeah, so respect, Wait, is yours okay? bad or is his just well, really it, good? Well, it is bad, but he also spent five years in China Damn. working. And so he actually has like local dialect right, He's invited Chinese. to dim sum. He's okay. <laughs> James, safe. I had to get that joke out. (laughs) Um, Okay, so about relationships. So I think that sometimes, not that you're dating should be like a parent, but I think that because we're a little bit attracted to our parent, you know, triggering us dynamic, you can have like a healthy, loving parent experience that maybe you didn't get growing up. So it's not to say that you should go get your needs met by your partner, like they're your mom or your dad. But what I do notice is that it feels like one safe to be messy and imperfect. Like I, I feel like my parents were like, you know, you got to go to Yale, you got to go to Harvard. Like it was like perfection or else like I'd get hit basically. So it was like very like, I have to be perfect. Right. Um, whereas my partner, he's like, he doesn't need me to be perfect. Like I can mess up, I can make mistakes and then I fall to shame and I'm like, Oh my God, I'm a bad person. And he's like, no, it's not a big deal, right? So in some ways, I feel like your partner can be the like loving, unconditionally loving parent that you didn't maybe feel like you had growing up. So I think that that whereas relationships can be healthier. But as far as how we fight, I think the best thing about it is that he knows what my inner child gets triggered by. So he knows that my inner child feels like, oh, I'm an afterthought. I'm not important. I'm not loved. I'm not wanted. So he knows that that's where my head goes and that's how I'm interpreting the situation. So like, 
if he goes out and he like gets himself lunch and because he was, I don't know, busy with work or it was a work meeting, he doesn't think to get me lunch. My little girl's like, oh my God, you didn't get me lunch? Like, you don't love me? Like, I'm an afterthought. I'm not important to you. And like, I'll make it mean all of these things, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's where my little girl's fears go. And so instead of us escalating and him getting defensive and him feeling like, what's happening? Why are you freaking out over lunch? Like, I'll I'll get lunch right now. He's like, oh, I totally understand why this makes you feel unimportant. Like I know that you're feeling right now, like I didn't think about you and I don't love you. And so just him saying that, I'm like, yeah, exactly. Like that is what I'm feeling right now. Do you cry? Because I would cry. Yeah, no, it is. Sometimes I do cry because I'm like, he's totally right. That is what I'm making it mean right now. I think I know. I'm the middle child. Okay. Yeah, like everyone would get like good shit and then I would just get the leftovers. The afterthought, yeah. <gasps> jealousy. Yeah, oh, so you felt jealous as shit. a kid. Yeah. You were jealous of your siblings and what they got. But also you get very upset when like he was giving out the hats and he wouldn't give you a hat. <laughs> well, that, was the, that was normal to feel that no, way. I know, I know. But it's like you didn't wear the hat. You didn't, you're like, I don't wear that. You're just like, I just want the hat. I just yeah, want to be included. You weren't even going to wear it. Yeah. yeah, but you were ignoring her inner child. I was doing it for her so she could experience it here. Fully. <laughs> so that you'd have something to talk about too. <laughs> oh, wow. But yeah, that's the thing. It's like, even though we're, we look like grown adults, it's all our little inner child's need, needs not getting met that's coming up and how we're reading and interpreting what's happening. I just picture yeah. you and your, your husband like throwing out self-help book quotes to each other. In a fight. <laughs> but no, you know They're what is a- like the best and worst thing that he does is he quotes me. Yeah, so we're like in a fight right now and Genius he's like, man. oh, well, you know, what would you do? How would you handle that disagreement if you were practicing what you say about it? And I'm like, oh. <laughs> That's the Too most. Too much contraction. He's <laughs> our, no our next guest. It's like. <laughs> That's yeah, too totally. much intellect. Yeah, it's like our land Lord's sending mean messages and I'm just like oh well let me tell her and he's like you're not practicing your framework <laughs> oh my goodness what is, uh, what, is, what does he do um, so he right now he's helping a startup in sustainability bring their supply chains clean so think about ah. all clothing brands that oh. don't even know where their factories are he's like are. a superhero what the fuck <laughs> yeah. yeah no we both care about like using our gifts for good so yeah that's what he's doing right gifts now gifts for good do you guys want children Wow. Um, you want to adopt one? That, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Why was that? He said, like, do you, you want to adopt a grown adopt man? One? Yeah, right? Um, no, no, no. He wants to be, a, he wants to be yeah. adopted. I understand. I understand. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, like we... She was like, I understand. Definitely not. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> not no. that one. No, no, no. Like I would. So like because of the work that I do, I feel like I see firsthand what parents with the best intentions, the impact of their not sometimes healthy parenting on people. Cause I feel like so much of what I help my clients with today is like, I can see someone as an adult and almost guess what their childhood must've been like. Right. Mm. It's like, I can almost predict, I can almost predict like, this is probably the patterns and beliefs that you picked up from your house household. Mm. So because of that, I'm so extra sensitive to like the whole, like I would want to be really like thoughtful and intentional and like make it like its own project. Meaning like, you know, like my work is so important to me, but I don't want to just passively be a parent. I would want to be like, okay, this is so important, right? And I know that there is no way that we get it right or perfect, but I just would be wanting to be really thoughtful about it. But the other thing is because of the work that I do, I see how many people, like how many people are already out there who need to be loved and um, experience healthy love and healing and parenting. So sometimes I, I mentioned to my partner, I'm like, what if we 
at some point opened up like an orphanage or something where we're helping like, cause I have so many healing tools. Like what if we found the kids that most need healing that were from homes that weren't healthy mm-hmm. and we give them the support and the love that they didn't get and we bring in people like me who can help them. So it's like whether they're, whatever they're healing from. But I just essentially feel like there's so many people out there who already need love that I don't know if it's necessary oh to my have my gosh, own kid. A saint. No, 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 that's not. You it's, bought it's, so that the genetics pass down and they do that for the, you like raise them to like, you got to take care no, of this torch. This is- <laughs> the avatar, the world needs her. Wow, but this is like something... Wow, this is like a, this is huge. Yeah. Wait, I was going to ask, what about Vin like joins a the orphanage? <laughs> <laughs> he checks himself in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, there are, there's so many kids that have been through so many, and you know, like, even though I'm a business coach and I work with, you know, leaders who want to be more successful and impactful and make more money, I've had many clients come to me who were um, sexually molested by a parent, mm-hmm. who were um, violated physically, emotionally, psychologically. Like, even though that's not, like, I'm not a therapist, I do get so many people who don't even know that I have these tools. So when people work with me, like, you didn't know I could help someone with that. So you don't hire me. I knew me. you could. Well, I was like, come on to this set. <laughs> well, like, most people who hire me don't necessarily know the extent to which I can support them through all of that kind of emotional processing. They hire me for business, like mm-hmm. you did. You're like, I have a business, help me, right? Mm-hmm. But even though I don't market myself as like, I can help you heal, um, I get so many people with these kinds of stories, you know, so who are these backgrounds. So what you're saying about uh, emotional intelligence is the tool for business, not IQ. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure it says, just says that it in the book. Him. Oh, that was... Yeah. Oh, that was <laughs> <a good one. laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. there was also like a different... Like, um, maybe like is the same thing, but like, uh, I was reading this thing about like the, some study with like a bunch of like extremely successful people, high net worth individuals. And it was like the most common denominator was like high EQ. Yes. You said something similar in your book. Yes. And then I remember I was smoking weed with him back there and we we're For talking years. about- Allegedly, this. allegedly, allegedly. Allegedly. It looked like weed. No, we were smoking that shit. <laughs> but anyways, I was back and then we we're just, I was just like reading your book. So it was like all of my mind and we we're just talking about it. And it made so much sense because it's like literally like every time I've won in my- <laughs> He's a grown Spider man. Spider monkey. He's a grown man. Oh my so goodness. Distracting. I ducked under the camera. I'm sorry. I didn't want to block that. You did not. You didn't, duck, you didn't duck under anything. You're every time that I've like made uh, great progress in my life or done something like noteworthy, it was my ability to like control my emotion or predict other people's emotions or create the same desired emotional outcome for everyone that like led me there. And then it was like your whole thing about like emotion is energy in motion. And it was just like, literally like, I love like the supernatural aspects of your book. Cause I'm like super into like conspiracy. And then that led me to like, what's real, what's not. Right. And then it's like, well, that's real. Like these things are real. That's kind of crazy. Like, I don't even know where to begin learning that stuff, but like, feel like that that's like a very good gist of it is like literally emotion that was like a very cool energy and motion thing yeah we Uh, saw that we saw so many examples today of energy and motion yep tears anger all of that just moving the energy so yeah i didn't i think that was uh i don't know why what was his point uh in bringing that up actually no, the just, EQ is where it's well, at. No, I was just thinking that like what she was saying is like people come to her because they want business coaching and then you unlock all this trauma and oh, you understand yes. your Yeah, their intellect you, hires me yes, and yes, then they're like, yes. oh, there's a heart and a body and a spirit and all yeah. this other stuff. And that's <laughs> and that's what unlocks the true success, not exactly, not yeah. not waking up at 4 a.m. and taking an ice bath and 
you know, probably doesn't hurt. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, no, uh, another topic. It doesn't well, help you bend reality. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it helps you be awake at 4 a.m. <laughs> um, let's talk about money. And I think that there's a lot of teaching that you're teaching. Like, so growing up, there was a lot of fear around money for me because uh, I didn't grow up with money and my parents were very frugal. And, you know, being from an uh, immigrant family, it's like, oh, this could all disappear. You got to save it. Like, I never was taught invest investing. I never could necessarily, like, I never was without, but it was also if I wanted to do certain things, just like, oh, no. Like, limitations. Yeah, limitation. And And through that, like... It was only until I, I was an adult where I was just like, yo, it doesn't matter if I run the AC all, all day. Like if I'm if I'm hot, <laughs> just keep it running. You know what I'm saying? Like little things like that uh, I would be like conscious about or just have anxiety over. So, I mean, what would you say is like, uh, what is like step one in terms of, what is step one in terms of building a better relationship with money, would you say? Mm, yeah. So in general we are like wired to seek safety, right? And so we're afraid of like, ooh, am I going to be okay? Like survival instinct. And even though there's no like impending um, danger, like a lion chasing us now in nature because we're all safe, the thing that becomes a proxy for that is money. So how much money in our bank account is feeding that like really primal evolutionary need to feel safe. So a lot of people tie like I'm safe if... I have a certain amount of money in my mm -hmm. bank account. So that's sort of like the first thing that I believe, you know, obviously if you can afford to put food on the table and you have shelter and you're, you're in a clean environment, like you have certain basic needs met, then you are safe, right? And unfortunately we don't live in a world where that's true. So for many of us, like we're not actually safe, right? But if you're someone like you who is safe, right? Cause you have those things the first thing you want to do is actually untangle those things. So can you find safety in your being because you know like your basic needs are met and separate that from money? Mm. Because it's the mixing and tangling those up right now that is making money feel uh, like a charged topic for you. So it's unnecessarily contractive when you feel into the possibilities around money because you're tying it still to, am I safe? Mm. I may not be safe, right? So again, if it is true that you're not safe because you don't have your basic needs met, then like that's a real concern. But I find that what blocks a lot of people who actually are safe from getting more abundance is because they're still in that mindset of, I don't feel safe. Hmm. Okay? So that's the first thing. And so the awareness is amazing of like, oh, I just feel this way because I saw my parents relate to money that way. So that's already a huge piece of it. Um, but... Just as a lot of our other beliefs, it is the kind of thing where you can, in time, find an incrementally better feeling thought, right? We talk about this in our work together, which mm -hmm. is like, maybe you can't go from, I'm frugal to like, I'm going to splurge on the most expensive thing, right? That's like 2180. But what is something in the right direction? Well, I can keep the AC on, right? Mm -hmm. So just finding what are those like incremental steps where you can feel like, oh yeah, full body, I can get behind this. And it builds up that muscle of like, oh, it is safe. I am abundant. I do have more than I need, right? Mm -hmm. And so what could be another thing that you feel comfortable? Is it getting the organic version of food right mm -hmm, now? Or mm -hmm. what's the thing that you think, okay, this is a step in the right direction. I'm not going to splurge on a Porsche tomorrow, but I am going to... I mean, for example, like I was just like, I'm just going to get a spring water subscription. Yeah. And I'm going to buy a, you know, just drop $300 on a water dispenser. And cool, like, yeah. You know, like simple things like that, I'm like, I'm, I'm not second guessing on because I'm like... Amazing. Yeah. I'm, I'm investing just, in my health. Yeah. 
exactly. Okay, so good. Little things like that. And then also like when I go out and, and maybe take my friends out to dinner, sometimes I, I want to cover the bill. Yeah. And not to think like, oh, is, is this going to like mm-hmm. put me I, and I used to like run through my budget in my head. Like, okay, I had like Can going I do out. It? Yeah. I'd going out spending money. I'm just like, I'm just going to do it and then I'll, I'll figure it out. Not yeah. putting myself in like, I'm not buying like $2,000 dinners, but yeah. you know, I'm not, I'm not overthinking it. So. Yeah. So that's the key thing is, can you feel expansive at the point of purchase? Mm-hmm. Can you tell yourself, okay, I can afford this. I want this. Mm-hmm. And I'm like taking care of my friends. I can feel expansive while doing this right now. Cause so many people are like, oh, I don't feel expansive. Oh, you're showing. <laughs> the little stickers. Yes. I love that. Yeah, Oh, I love that. And don't you have people say something at the cashier and they're like, oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> like, gratitude for spending. Yes. What's the point of these? St- what are these stickers? It's to remind you to feel grateful when you buy things. Let me say it again. It's to remind yourself to feel grateful when oh. you buy things. To make sure you're in an expansive place at the time of purchase. I'm going to need this on my Apple Pay. Yeah, let me use your card to feel grateful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really grateful. And you're going to be very, very sad when your purchase doesn't go through. Yeah, because so many of us have the money in our bank account, but the moment they like ring it or the credit card bill comes or we pay it down at the end of the month, we're like, oh, like, it feels bad. It feels contractive in my body, yeah. Yeah. right? And so one of the ways to actually be a match for more money is to find and clean up all the places that you feel contractive around money. So like one question you can ask yourself are like, what are some recurring purchases I'm currently making that I don't like? Right. So like, is it a subscription or a membership or um, All of something? Them. Yeah. Or like so your apps or like, oh, I hate that I have to pay the service provider because they don't deliver or like whatever it is, like think through where are all the places you're currently spending money that feel contractive mm. and then going through and being like, OK, well, can I change the service provider? Can I cancel this because I don't use this app? Or can I tell myself a better story? Like, you know what? I don't like paying taxes, but I care about the teachers and the firefighters and like Find a way to change the way you're relating to what you're spending. I forgot what the, the I forget the exact thing that you taught, but you're like, you don't need to be a hundred percent. You need to be at 51% yes, to on be the other side. Neutral. Yeah. yeah. And that, that was also a big unlock for me because it's also like, you know, what you're taught is, oh, don't be sad. Just be happy, you know, yeah. but you're saying, okay, you don't have to be sad, but you can be like, okay. Yeah, it's not like you have to be perfect with your thoughts. Mm -hmm. It's not like you always have really positive thoughts. But it's like, at least when you have a negative thought, do you have at least like, is it at least Mm -hmm. 50-50 right now where it's like, maybe I can't. Well, what if I could, right? Like, just like Mm -hmm. balance it out for now so that you can at least neutralize the negative, contractive, limiting beliefs. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and so with money, it's like really catching all those places that you feel bad about money because any place that you feel bad about money is creating a block. It's creating a limitation on your earning potential, on your sense of worthiness, on your sense of what's possible, of how much money you could make. So it's just like looking at, are there current expenses I'm making that don't feel good? And can I change the expense? Can I tell myself a better narrative around like, well, I'm grateful that these... Um, this rent is giving me this home and I love my home, right? Mm. So think about what is the joy that you're getting out of spending money mm. in this way. I got one. So I, I, you know, I see my parents even at their old age. They're, they're fine. They're not asking me to support them anyway, but I know that they're not financially safe. And that, that puts not like guilt, but like pressure on me. Like sometimes I'll be spending on things. I'm like, oh, I should be saving that to maybe try to give to them. Or, or like, oh, I can't provide like the way I'd want to. How do you get over that if it's not something that's, you know, I, I just can't, I can't fix that problem right now. But it is a looming thought, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's so, 
if you decided to save, you'd want to make sure it's not from a contracted place of like, I should save. It has mm. to be like, I am excited to like know that I'm contributing to the future of my parents' safety and security. Mm. So just make sure whatever you're doing feels expansive. It shouldn't be like, I should do this or like, mm. I can't do this. So therefore, the only way to be successful is X. Like, don't create that contractive meaning around it. Make sure it feels expansive is the first thing. But then the other thing is I do feel, and this sounds crazy because it sounds like magical thinking, but like your beliefs really become your expectations and then your expectations become your reality, right? So the thoughts that you have on repeat become your beliefs and then the beliefs that you have on repeat become your expectations and then those expectations shape your reality. So if you really believe that the only way to support your family is to save up, save up and spend less, spend less, then that's going to be what you do, mm. right? But there could be another world in which you're like, I'm going to make so much money that even though I spend more, I'm still going to have a, le a lot left over to mm -hmm. take care of my family. Mm -hmm. Like that is going to become more true for you. I like that more. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's really like we create in the path of least resistance, meaning like whatever you believe is the easiest way is going to become the way for you. Mm -hmm. For some people, they're like, well, real estate investing is the way. For you, it's like, no, being an entrepreneur is the way. For someone else, they're like, no, saving and coupon clipping is the mm -hmm. way. And then for someone else, they're like, oh, stock market is the way right? But whatever, it's, it's you feeling like this is right for you that makes it expansive. And it's the, w the way that you feel expansive that makes it possible. Wow, that's cool. It's like the same result, but like different thoughts. Like the way you said, like, um, you saving and saving and saving so that you can have money for your parents, as opposed to like, you, you're going to make so much money that you don't even have to like stress about yeah. saving or anything. Totally. Like I have a belief That's that so like money loves to replenish mm -hmm. itself. So like mm. the more I spend, the more money comes in. Oh, same you know? belief. Same that belief. Is yeah. so, <laughs> so, okay. So I got it. So you said uh, something, basically well, uh, the question I had is sometimes there are things that I had to do that I did not want to do, but were good for me. And I did not like doing it while I didn't like doing it while I was stuck through it. But when I got to the other side, I was glad I did it, but it wasn't like, I wasn't feeling super expansive. It wasn't necessarily the easiest thing. And I'll give an example of like, uh, working out. Oh yeah. Working out yeah. is working out is one, or I'm doing like a challenge because I, I, I felt like I've been compromising and been complacent in my life. So I'm doing a challenge that's forcing me yeah. to do certain things. Some days I really don't want to do it and I can't think positively but about it. But what were you connecting to? What was the higher why they got you through? The higher why was just like, uh, this is going to be good for me. Okay. Like, and when you think this is going to be good for me, how do you feel? Happy. Okay. I'm like, okay. Oh, okay. Oh, I see. So okay, yeah. I so it's it. like having an expansive why mm. can get you through the ups and downs of a business. Mm, got it. Got it. Got it. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's why, that's why also the challenge doesn't feel like, cause I'm like, oh man, am I contractive right now? Cause I don't want to do it. But I'm like, at the end of the day, I know this is good for me yeah. and, I, and I'm excited for yeah. what I might find at the end yeah. of this. Versus like, oh, I don't want to do this, but I have to do it cause someone's gonna be mad at me if I don't do this. Mm. It's like, well, just don't do it then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. And, and it also goes to kind of like discipline. Um, like there's, there's certain people I look at them and I'm like, you talk big and you want all these things, but you don't even do the easiest steps. Sounds like your dad. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, so I think that. I think yeah. those thoughts and I'm just like, but then I watch, like, you know, they'll come to me, ask me for advice or this, that, the other. I'm like, you, like, 
a lot of You're times like discipline be, 101 yeah, or, or like <laughs> a lot of people be like yo jeremy how'd you start your business whatever it is and i'm like i'm i give them like books step by step that changed my thinking and people won't even read the first page i know so that and then they keep coming for your advice they don't value it yeah so then when people come to me i feel contracted towards them i'm like you're you can't but what even part do the thing. of you feels? What do you get out of helping them? What's the why are you? Why do you keep helping? Because I feel like that I like I was able to figure out a lot of things on my own, and I'm like I can save you if you want. If you're having the thought that you want to get out okay. of this old system you're in, I was able to like work through it a certain way, and I'm gonna give you the shortcuts, and that makes me feel good. Okay. So if someone came to me and they're like, "Yo, how did you start your business?" I'm like, "Oh, I'll tell you how. I'm happy to share the information. Yeah. Start here, right? That's just your cookie crumb." And they don't do it, and they keep coming to me. Then why do you keep giving them advice? I don't, but I'm just saying, like, my my, my brain is like, or if I hear them continuing to talk about, oh, I'm going to be this and do that, and I'm just kind of like, no, you're not, because you can't even do the basic thing, right? Yeah. And I I don't know, is that, I guess my, my point is, how do you relate to people, or like, when do you give them tough love versus... Like what, what, how do you give feedback to somebody that is more expansive than contractive if they've proven to not do the basic things that should get them to where they want to go? Yeah. So you first ask, like, do you want my honest opinion? Mm. Okay. So don't give unsolicited advice because that's just judgment. Right. Mm. And then if they're like, yeah, no, I want to know. I want to hear it. And then you'd be like, okay, so I really care about you. I know how much you want this. I see how much you come to me with asking for advice and I want you to be successful, mm-hmm. but I'm noticing that, you know, you don't stick to the things, you don't follow through the things you say you're going to do, right? And one of the things that I've noticed that defines all the successful people around me is like they follow their word, they follow through, like mm-hmm. what they say they're going to do, they do. And I really think that if that's something you could implement in your life, it would really change the game for you. Hmm. Yeah, if you said it like that, I would have done it. I'm not not talking about you. (laughs) No, yeah, I lack consistency and I'm trying really hard. But yeah, it's just... Was it about her? Why she? No, uh, no, but you know what? (laughs) I felt offended, so it must be about me. No. Because it it is true. I I lack consistency. Um... And everyone has their own timing and their own journey. Of course. And just trusting that when the pain is great enough, they will be willing and motivated to change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was three hours. That's three oh, hours. Oh, wow. That, yeah. was- <laughs> that was three hours. That was incredible. Um, wow. Was there anything else that you would like to discuss, share, promote? So if you really enjoyed today's session, definitely recommend the book is the best place to start. And then I have courses starting at 222. So at this time, if you're like, how do I work with you? How do I get more? You can get things that are as low as 222. I have another one, 444 on quantum leaping. So if you want to collapse time, bend reality around time, that's my quantum leaping masterclass. And if you want to bend the odds in your favor, so basically get more successful faster, that's my 222 Bend the Odds Masterclass. So there are so many ways to plug into my work now. And you can also follow me on Instagram, Victoria E. Song. I have really great videos there of a lot of the tools I'm teaching here here today. I'm (laughs) telling you guys, don't buy, don't spend that money on food and waste it on a Netflix subscription. The courses work. The book is amazing. It'll change your life. Don't eat. <laughs> yeah, don't eat. Don't eat. Ben reality. Would you rather eat or would you rather bend reality? I don't know about you. I'd rather bend reality. I can eat later. 
Yeah, essentially I priced my courses at what I was spending for like a therapy session or one coaching session. And I was oh, like, yeah. how could I create like you know, 10 years worth of therapy, like we just saw, like, how can I create that in just one course? Right. So that's how I priced my offerings. Facts. Insanity. Dude, therapy just does not. Wait, also, do you pick like (laughs) angel numbers on purpose? Like two, two, two. Right now. Yes. But I'm also wondering if I, now the current meme is like, oh, angel numbers. So I'm like, oh, let me. Popularity ruins everything. I I know. So we'll, we'll talk about that, but I'm like, maybe it's time to change it. <laughs> that was a very, very special episode. Thank you guys for tuning in. If you guys want more, her, her all her links will be in the description, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Hey guys, we're under the influence. And if you're enjoying our clips and you want to see the full episodes, you can go to our website. We have them all linked to every audio streaming platform and YouTube. If you like, comment, and subscribe over there, it really helps us out. Please, we haven't paid the rent in months. If you're looking for us or any of the guests, we always tag them. Also, if you have any topics or questions you want to ask us, go to our website or text this number on the screen. If you're feeling thirsty, drink Nectar Hard Seltzer. Delicious Asian flavors and no weird aftertaste. We ship to 45 states. Use code UTI15 at checkout on our website for 15% off your first box. And if you want some of the best bartending tools money can buy, you can use the same code UTI15 on barchemistry.com for 15% off. Thank you guys for your support. We really appreciate it. And if you leave mean comments, please stop. They really hurt our feelings. But if you don't, we love you.